Hello everyone, this is Dave. I just popped in to let you know that what you're going to hear is an experiment in sound. An experiment in sound. Actually, it's, uh, it's recorded in three parts. Uh, because we started, we thought it'd be fun to record ourselves driving down to the Hergé Museum. So the first part is Ian and I in a rental car, kind of talking while we're uh, while driving, and I'm talking and not paying very much attention, and then I get lost, and then we have to find our way back, and it's it's all a thing. You can hear it. You can hear it in real time if you want. Apologies for the audio quality, though. Uh, not too experienced with recording in cars, and maybe we should have close mic yourself in some way, figured out something that we didn't bother doing anyway. You you know, it is what it is. If you don't want to hear it, you can pop to the next section, which is Ian and I in a laundromat with Pia in Paris. And that didn't last very long either, to be honest with you, because we we kind of got a little bit nervous because people were coming in and then some old people started coming in and we felt bad they were taking up space. And so we kind of cut it, cut it short. So we had a little bit of a conversation there, and that's fun, but the final part is Ian and I in my hotel room in Paris with relatively good audio, unlike the rest of the shows, I'll admit that it's not great. And you can hear our conversation, and it's pretty wide-ranging, and you get to hear some stories of our trip. And then we're going to end with a surprise. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. You'll just have to listen to the show to find out. But here it is. This is it. Here we go. This is our trip. just to regulate traffic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm just worried you're going to get trapped in the loop. I think it's just to keep people going in that entrance. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, it is a real loop. It's an actual loop. Why is the traffic telling us to vaccinate? Does that mean a different thing? <laughs> what's that, PR? I don't know what's happening. So there's no vocal uh, aspect to this thing. No, no, not apparently. Uh, huh. I can tell. Might not be very helpful anyway, so if you can... French or... Flemish. Flemish. Yeah. Yeah, get someone yelling at you in Flemish probably isn't the best thing. Well, we're out of the loop. <laughs> yes, we are. We could just go to Ikea have a day there. Some meatballs. So you have to make sure you don't go that way because that will take you to Holiday Inn. Okay. Which uh, is a four-star hotel. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I don't know. Try to find a drawer that shuts. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird... I was thinking that when I was driving here is that the thing about Europe is that it's, it's like it's like this constant overlay of things, right? Like, you have, like, the Middle Ages, and then overlaid on top of that is the Industrial Revolution, and then overlaid on top of that is post-war yeah. Europe, and then overlaid on that is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. this constant, and so nothing really gets replaced, which is kind of nice, like, driving out of, like, I was taking the bus through Brussels, and 
it was kind of nice because I was I was going like through like all these neighborhoods and and they're really beautiful mm-hmm. you know they do look a little run down some of them but they're very beautiful yeah I'd be fine with like almost everything like walking and then training and then everything if I had you know it wasn't jet lagged as hell and just oh really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah I was I mean yesterday I mean I got up on Wednesday morning I got the plan on Wednesday right? yeah yeah so I got up Wednesday morning <laughs> at 4.30 we left we left home about 5 quarter after 5 or so then we went and did, did the horses although I, I didn't we just fed them which was good because I could honestly say I had nothing to do with I didn't touch any livestock when I was going through customs oh yeah yeah and um, thank goodness I was with you thank goodness I was in that lane because I just went the right way without realizing it <laughs> uh, I gotta keep my eyes on this um, so then yeah so then I we le- I left it quarter after nine on the plane flew to Chicago got there around two I think no two around two Chicago I, time yeah around two yeah. Chicago time so I had to leave my flight my flight was at six but I had to be ready to board at quarter after five okay that's a pretty big airport yeah yeah so I started off by going in the wrong direction <laughs> looking for but the good thing was that you realize when you're walking, you're like, oh, this is going the wrong way. Like, the number's going the wrong way yep. or whatever. So then I turned around, and I was walking back the other way. Then, And then signs are kind of misleading, of course, because they're trying to tell you gates and tell you terminals. So you're seeing the gates, and you're like, oh, I don't want to go to gate E, whatever. And then you're like, oh, I guess I want to go to terminal 1, though. So that's also this direction you realize the second time you look at the sign. Like, everything you do when you're traveling, it seems like... You'll do better the next time. Yeah. Like, you just want to go, 10 bucks, get me a Sherpa. 10 bucks, <laughs> just take me where I'm going. Just show me where it is. Yeah. You know, you know where it is. It's fine. That's worth your 10 bucks. Because it's going to be like a 20-minute walk. Yeah. And that's worth it for 10 bucks, right? It's good. It's fine. It's a person. Here we go. Let's do it. Yeah, it's... Uh... And there's nothing telling you how far the walk is either. It's like... The Munich airport, Jesus Christ, just like the longest. So you, went into, you landed in Munich? I thought it was Frankfurt that you were going to. Yeah, that was what we were supposed to do. Oh, okay. But then someone changed it without uh, any of us knowing it. And uh, yeah, we double checked, otherwise, we would have been a little screwed. Um, but yeah, no, it was Munich, which is, again, one of our not favorite airports <laughs> because everything is insanely far away from each other. Okay. And you know, they were saying to us, yeah, but it's in the same terminal. The fuck it's in the same terminal. <laughs> no, it's not. How many damn trams did I take to get to the same terminal? And how many like gigantic escalators and how many elevators? I'm like, no, it's the same. <laughs> Liar. Yeah. I had I mean besides it was like a fifteen minute walk from one Yeah. It wasn't that bad. Doing it right, it's a fifteen minute walk. Doing it wrong <laughs> adds a little time. So yeah, then I just sat around. It's interesting going to a city like Chicago. It's interesting being there because 
you know, I live in Vancouver. I'm used to our demographic, mm-hmm. you know? So it's weird, like, sitting in Chicago, and obviously there's white people, yeah. black people, very few Chinese people. Yeah. And almost, I didn't see any, I saw one South Asian guy. Right. So weird, right? Because we're well, we quite live, a few Latinx people. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't. I guess I don't. I don't. Really, I don't say I don't see that, but I guess I don't. I just kind of group them together. Right. Def- together. Definitely more so when you're in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's and what was curious. Is I guess Brussels is a big, um, it's a big um, hub for Africa. Oh, okay. So there was lots of lots of uh, African people on the flight, mm. like legit African, not yeah. like Afro-American or whatever. Kind of like like in Aldergrove, we actually have quite a few African people living. Oh, okay. Why yeah. is that? I think because they've been sponsored by people, by, okay. ch- by churches and stuff like that, and so that's where the churches are based. So that's where they, that's where they live. Also, it's a, it's cheaper. Yeah. It's a traditionally a working class neighborhood. So, you know, you uh, if you're okay with it being run down, then uh, it's all okay. That's how you fix it up. You have to run down first. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but we had to think like last, sorry, so uh, you got like little, little sleep for a long I slept time. a little bit on the plane. Okay. Um, I don't know how for how long, maybe less than an hour though. And then... Uh, Were you on a Lufthansa flight? Or no, what? I was on Air Canada to Chicago. Okay. And then United from Chicago oh, to okay, Brussels. Okay, all right. So I guess once, I don't think you're, I guess the flight wasn't cancelled, I just got kicked off of it somehow. Oh, shit. Which is good that I looked at my booking. Yeah. Because they didn't tell me. It wasn't, yeah. it was just happenstance that Lisa and I were discussing uh. when my flight was. And I just kind of like went to my booking just to, out of curiosity. And then it was like, there's like this little kind of, uh, you know, kind of yellow triangle or rectangle with a, with a red triangle in it. And I was like, it said ticket not configured. And I, I was like, well, what does that mean? And then they're like, oh, that means that you don't have a flight. <laughs> so I phoned. I phoned them just to ask, and they're like, "Oh well, uh, you are." Uh... They can just do that. They can just kick you off the flight and not tell you. Apparently. Huh. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Like that always stuns me when it's like, "Sorry, this flight's overbooked." Uh huh. And that's my problem because. Yeah. Like I understand why it's my problem. Yeah. But how are you legally allowed to do that? <laughs> it's probably somewhere in the small print. Yeah, it's like going to a restaurant and like ordering a meal and like, yeah, we're out of food. Oh, well, okay, well, I'll go to the restaurant. Can I get my money back? No. No, we keep your money. Or whatever. It's like, or something. I don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah. I guess they keep your money. But, ah, uh, dumb. It, when we're, yeah, last night we're at the hotel and uh, it's full of mosquitoes. Like, it's just mosquitoes everywhere. Like, we got welts. We all got welts on us. Yeah, like yeah. Huge. Uh, and then no drawers closed. The light next to the bedside table. What's that? Look at that gold figure holding a stick over its head. Huh. I was, it's, this is a dairy farm. It's, what does that mean? Is it, is it daring the cows Horsey. to jump that? I don't know. Yeah. 
I know from uh, Donald Trump that these windmills give uh, uh, birds cancer or something, so it's very sad to see that. I don't know if it gives them cancer. I think it kills them. It kills they them, fly into them, which is and it gives which is not cancer. which is not not true. But I don't think it's that big of an incident. No, you don't you don't look and see like infinite dead birds down. Also, it's like um, it's um, evolution in action. Yeah, if you can't see a windmill and you're a bird, yeah, I don't know what your problem is. Cause, you know, like they can see mice in a field. Why are they having trouble? I mean, birds are still flying into windows. Yeah, yeah. You know, they should have figured that shit out a while back. Yeah. And as Seinfeld says, if nothing else, get out of the way of the other bird. Yeah. But yeah, we're there. We're there. So, uh, welts, uh, doors don't close. The, yeah. the light next to the bed starts strobing wildly. It can't turn it off. Cannot be turned off. The, uh, the light starts strobing? Yeah, it starts strobing. And we're like, ah, that's interesting. Okay, I don't know what that's all about. Yeah. And I was like, and then we tried running a shower, and like, you literally, like, we called down, and they said, yeah, you gotta let it run for about 15 minutes, and then the hot water will start. Like, 15 minutes? I'm like, okay. And then, yeah, we're reading up on it. Four star hotel. What's a three star hotel? <laughs> wow, okay. I know to be a five star hotel. Like in Vancouver, I, I learned this was you had to have a 24-hour doormat, and that would give you that bump, okay. bump up to five. All right. But what you need to have four stars? I don't know. Yeah. Probably a door. Yeah, man. If you have a doorway into your hotel. Yeah. Four stars. Oh, the door is great. Like, yeah, don't yeah. don't get me started on the door downstairs. Like that thing opens automatically. <laughs> I don't know how it works. There's a guy who's like, "We'll take your money." Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, for uh, staying there. Yeah, yeah, that all is there. There's a fridge. So, yeah, that part's great. Yeah. Then you get to the room. Uh, <laughs> there's more issues. But, you know, the bed's good. Well, uh, it's just that... It's like... It's like someone described them like North American conveniences, which seem to be like, you know, what everyone strives for now. So it'd be like, be like America. And we'll group Canada in there, too, since we're so sure. curious for basically the same. So they've heard about them, but they don't know what they are exactly. Yeah. So you go into like a public washroom, and there's two urinals, and they're like one feet apart. So that you are <laughs> touching shoulders. Yeah. Like if anyone came in there, if someone came in there to pee with me, I'd be like, nope. You, you wish I'm shoulders. Done. I'm done. Like at work, we have that. Like everyone complains about it at work how close the urinals are together. Yeah. And it's pretty much a rule that you will not pee beside the person who's yeah. like, you just keep going to use one of the stalls. There's yeah. no way. Like it's just... Forget about it. I'm a nervous peer, so I don't want to have anyone near me when I pee. But yeah, yeah Romans uh, got a story of, of that where uh, there was it was just like a single like you know uh, thing. Yeah. And uh, and so there's the toilet, and it's like got a urinal right next to it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Roman went in to use the urinal, and uh, figuring people would understand the system, <laughs> but then nope. a guy comes in and just sits next to him, yeah. and, you know, just looking up, and I'm like, they know a lot of privacy, huh? Like, no, no, there's not. Shit. <laughs> yeah, was, I mean, it wasn't even, one time I was in, uh, we were in Seattle at, at the Emerald City, this guy came in, and there was a partition between us, but like I say, I'm, I'm like, I'm a nervous yeah. peer, so it takes me a while to like, get going, and then this guy's like, yeah, I'm here in town. I'm trying to get in contact with my brother, but he's avoiding me, and I'm 
think he might be involved in drugs and he's one of those family problems. And I'm like, buddy, okay, you tell me because I'm not going to pee until you leave now. There's no way I can go. You can wash your hands, dry your hands. Yeah. Oh, it's the second time we've, I've come up with a horse trailer. Oh. The other one was like a one, like a smaller one, like a two-horse trailer. Oh. Kind of idea, probably an angle haul. Whereas this is like a horse bus. Look at this thing. Yeah. It won't ride the horse bus. Oh, it's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. It's weird when you go to Europe and you, because you're just in like a city and it's so big and it feels like this is all there is. And then you drive outside the city and you're like, oh, there's farms. <laughs> oh, makes there's sense. farms, yeah. It makes sense. And then you go like, how old's this farm? As old as time. <laughs> Would you like to hear the story of how King Arthur fought on this farm? He wasn't real. Oh, twenty. Let me tell you a story. All right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Did those feet? All right. Settle down. <laughs> that is a weird. That is a weird song. It is. And just to keep on singing it, like we're all gonna still like. Agree that Christ walked in England? That's what it's about, right? Yep. This is a weird... It's a weird thing to just carry on with. Like, not go... I don't know, it feels like you should have, like... Kind of like they have before they show old cartoons with black people in them. They should have, like, a contextual thing. Like, <laughs> okay, we know Christ didn't walk in England. Yeah. It's just a song. It's a hymn that's based on the idea that, you know, like, he was everywhere, that like, he could yeah. be everywhere. And we see you Mormons going, he also walked in America. We know. <laughs> he got around. We get it. I can't say he lived. single fleets around. He lived to 33. He didn't have the time <laughs> to walk the world. That's right. There was no world travel at that time. You know, he was doing a walkathon to raise money for uh, stigmata. There's no Thomas Cook travel to go to. Thomas Cook <laughs> in ancient times. Arrange a travel tour for Christ. Peter forgot his passport. <laughs> Not to be left behind. Yeah. Never let him forget it. Did you bring your own fish on this flight? Yeah, maybe I did, maybe. <laughs> and also flight. <laughs> You're still jet lagged. And how? So anyway, so then I got to Brussels, got to Brussels airport, uh, what did I do that? Oh, I got off the plane, anyway, I went, th went through all that stuff. Jean-Claude Van Damme terminal. <laughs> and, and then I, uh, took the train into town, and that's the other thing, you don't know how the trains work, so, like, you've never been on a train before in Belgium, so I, I get there, there's a train Everyone's waiting at this one spot, so I like standing with them. I'm going like, I guess this is where we'll catch the train. Yeah. And I'm looking at the the announcement board, and yeah. it's saying train, and it's giving like a time that's past the time I am in. So like it's like say it's ten twelve. Uh, it's saying ten fifteen, and then it's got like a list of places yeah. it's going. So like uh, Brussels Nord, Brussels Central, blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, cool. So this. This train is coming, and we'll all be getting on the train. Right. And then the train that's down a ways, it leaves, and then the sign switches to a different train. Yep. And I was like, oh, so that was telling me that train was here. Yep. And I could have gone on that train 
you know, I'll have to wait now, but that's okay. I, I didn't really mind. Uh, yeah, that stuff drives me bananas. Like, there's no one system for any European train. <laughs> there's just not. That doesn't really drive me bananas. Oh, it's it drives like, me bananas. I'm more like, huh? Like, when uh, you get, like, Eurorail or, like, and, like anything, it's just like, it just you're all in the same system, right? Like, all of you. Like, just join in, make it nice and clear. <laughs> this is the one thing we got going on in Vancouver is our airport is fucking, like, so easy to get around in. There's so many things there to calm you down. Oh, my God. It just keeps winning awards and awards. But did you know that in the airport... We did kill a guy once. (laughs) (laughs) In the airport. I mean, yeah, I'll agree with you. Our airport is world class. Like, you go into the bathroom at the airport, and you feel like you can just eat in there. Which is totally like the airport in Chicago, the bathroom in Chicago, which I felt like I couldn't be in there. No. no. But, but, uh, did you know that in the Vancouver airport is uh, a little patch of the United States? Well, when you go through customs, I guess. Yeah, once you go through customs, yeah. you're in America. Yeah. Well, in the airport. Yeah. Which was pretty interesting. Right. That, we knew that when, um... I've never been to the, I've never flown to the States before. Yeah. Uh, well, not in a long time, anyway. I flew when I was a kid. Uh, here's one of the ways we do that. We probably knew that beforehand. But uh, one of the ways we knew that was when we went... Uh, we were going to some con, probably San Diego. And we called in advance and gone, like, we're bringing this uh, piece of art. Uh, of course, we want to declare it. Uh, so how do we do that? Is there anything we have to do? Oh, yeah, you got to fill out this form and that form. And then take it to this uh, place at the airport. And like, oh, okay. So we did that. And then uh, Pia got taken to the crying room. And the crying room is a part of America. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they can hold you there for as long as they want, and they can arrest you if you feel like it. And they were, like, giving her just, like, all this fucking... It was just awful. It was just really, really awful. They, they were talking about, like, her parents and how we were looking them up. It doesn't look like they got married, really. And all this other shit. Huh? And it was, like, all because, you know... Uh, she was going to bring this piece of art across that she called in and was declaring and doing everything right on. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. And they had, and so they were giving her the third degree. I was sitting off to the side during all of it. Can't contact anyone. Can't use a phone. Can't do nothing. And then I'm there with all these other relatives of people who are also in the crying room who are having an even worse time. At least Pia knows like, well, fuck it, man. The worst they can do is send me to, you know, the States and I'll be, yeah. I'll, I'll be okay. But like, yeah, the rest of them are like, it was, it was just so oh, awful. Like they were, you could tell they were kind of getting off on it, on the power thing. Yeah, yeah. But I still feel like if you're going to go to an airport, you should look up on YouTube tips on that airport. Mm-hmm. Because I think for one thing, there's like a reservation system for, for security. So you could book your time to go through security, sure. which I didn't realize until I was standing in line and there was a QR code, and I like checked out the QR code and then it was like all bookings filled. So you're like, okay, well, next but time. Good in the future. Too. Good time. Yeah. Good time. Next time I'll know that. And then the other thing is, now they have a, a you can do an electronic passport to get through customs, which I didn't know. I didn't know about because I didn't. I've never been through the customs. I've never been through American customs there before. But you can. You know, you can like take a picture of your, uh, take a picture of yourself, put in your passport number and everything, and then um, basically fill out your declaration there and do it all electronically and cut out like well, most a forty-five of it, minute wait. Right. Okay. Well, 
if you if you haven't gone through customs like on the flight there, that's how it all works kind of now. Oh, okay. Like okay. they've got just screens there. You fill it out like that. It takes a picture of you right there. Okay. You know, you scan in your thing. Yeah. And uh, and so it's an interesting way to meet a lot of uh, elderly people weeping because they don't understand <laughs> what to do. And then you're like, oh, would you need a hand? Don't help anyone else. I'm like, okay. Don't help that person who's sad and just having problems. Don't. Who's saying don't? Uh, the air- airline folks, the customs folks. Oh, really? Because you can't, yeah, you can't, like, say, did anyone help you fill out this customs form? Oh. Yeah, that stranger over there just uh, helped me. <laughs> it's like, nope, can't do it. Huh. You can do things like just kind of show them what you're doing and, like, huh, 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 like, yeah. Or the other thing I've done is where I'm there with Pia, and I explain it to Pia, yeah. who I can explain it to, uh, and then the person next to me is kind of getting it. It's like, yeah, that's right. You just aim it like this, and then it takes your picture. That's how it works. I explain it to my wife. Yeah. This was this was an app though. Oh, okay. Yeah, it does the same thing. It's a I phone think. app. Yeah. For, but only, uh, previously only available to Americans. Uh, and now right. Canadians can use it as well. Yeah, my sister does the Nexus thing, so she just like. Yeah, those are the really smart. Those people who plan ahead. I, yeah, that's not me. That's a that's a Gladys Wee move. <laughs> Though, uh, if you ever see uh, someone who's Nexus, who's like held up at the border because of like some sort of just regular yeah. problems. Oh, they got problems with that. I'm like, shut up! Don't don't be a fussy fuss. It's a good way to get screwed at the border, man. Yeah. You've never had problems at the border, huh? Ah, okay. Enjoy <laughs> your first time. Well, I've, I crossed the border with male friends, so <laughs> I, I, I often get called into the. Uh, yep. Yeah. You got uh, shifty friends like me. <laughs> All my friends are shifty, apparently. I, every one of my friends, I've, I've had to go into the. Office just bring some ones. copies of my comics called what? Called the uh, Fuck the Police uh, Pornography Comics. Okay. Yeah. I, David and I got, had to go in one time, David, Evan, and I. And what's weird is the time that we crossed together with Mary when she was like one years old. Right. They didn't even look at like, an eye. They were like, all right. Yeah. Okay, two men, take that <laughs> young child across the border. We were driving down, we went on like a, I guess David was in, he was in Seattle and he saw they had uh, Buster Keaton's Spite Marriage and the cameraman okay. on uh, Laserdisc at a tower and he's like, he told me and I was like, oh, well I'm going to drive down and uh, get those. And he's like, well, I'll come with you. So yeah, we did like a, an evening romp, we just drove down, nice. went to tower, because those were the days when they were open until 10, 10 or midnight or whatever good old days of stores. And no offense to David, but if you drew a picture of a kidnapper, it would be him. <laughs> Especially in those days, we yeah. hair down, down his back, big sideburns. Yeah, he's the guy keeping a bunch of kids in the basement. <laughs> Nothing malicious, he's just running a little mini Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, yeah. He's got a ball pit, he's got some video games, <laughs> makes some pizza. Splits is just playing over and over again. It's fine. Sounds terrible. Yeah, this sounds terrible. He's a kidnapper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In this scenario. Horses. 
Belgian horses. Yeah, I guess we warm blitz. Or Frisians or Percherons. Or... It is it is interesting when you forget sometimes you're somewhere else and then just see a bird that's like completely different or an animal and like what? <laughs> yeah, like those pigeons I saw. Never seen that? Wait a second. Like you're in England, and uh, you know a couple of foxes are in the alley. It's foxes. Yeah, they're uh, dirty, grubby animals. We hate them. <laughs> you hate foxes? Yeah, All right. they, they're considered vermin, though. Yeah, they're real scumbags. Foxes. They're like rats. Okay. They destroy livestock. Sure. They're, and they're bad. Like, they're not like like if they just took one. That'd be fine. But they're kind of like me. Or Martins. If they get into a coop, they'll kill everything. Even if they can't eat it all, it'll just all get destroyed. Which is a little annoying if you're a farmer. You'll meet our friend Diane um, in uh, Paris. When she was in Vancouver, she was like so excited to see a raccoon. Oh, yeah. We didn't see any raccoons. That's amazing. We drove her through the Stanley Parks to try to find raccoons. Crazy. Oh, they're so cute. They're so cute. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're the scumbags. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we like them. They're fine. But we know they're scumbags. I was driving the other day. I, was in, I think it was at night. And uh, this car in front of me mysteriously stopped. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And then this little family of raccoons yeah. across the road. It's pretty cute. I have to admit, I'm, I'm always saddened by... Uh, KFC? KFC or Starbucks and places like that. You're kind of like, aw. Oh, shoot. What? Oh. Okay, good luck to us. He knows what he likes. He likes Hershey and he likes horses. <laughs> it's not so much horses, I just... It's just so... Like, how often when you're driving around in Vancouver do you see people with horse trailers? Pretty rare, really. Hi, Belgian horses. GMB there. horses. Lene. I was saying to... Uh, they're running things that uh, their graffiti's better here. It's in Europe. It's just better cartoon graffiti. I guess it's better graffiti, but I don't know. To me, that's just like a sign of... <laughs> oh, it's but, trouble. Yeah, trouble. But with uh, artistic skills, so mm-hmm. they've got something to fall back on if, you know. <laughs> so how old is the Hershey Museum? Opened in 2009. Okay. Which is pretty new. Pretty new. I thought it would be a little older than that. Apparently it was first discussed like in the 70s. Well, it was supposed to go in Brussels, but they wanted, it was going to be too expensive. Yeah, yeah. So Brussels went, nope. <laughs> then later on did the Cartoon Museum, which uh, people say is a little cheap. Like expensive cheap or? Uh, as in like, you know, you go in there and there's no real original art. Or yeah, anything, yeah, you know? That's, that would be my complaint. There was some original art, but... Yeah, not enough. Like I like to stare right into the right into the art. I want to see like the corrections. I want to yep. see the the whiteout. I want to see the pen lines or the something that makes it. Yeah, it's it was real. Yeah, and uh, it didn't really have that. I think the feeling is it's more touristy than you know if you're a lover of. This yeah, kind of stuff. yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful building. It's a Orta design building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of the last. And one of the last ones standing, I guess, because that area of Brussels is, did, a, did a, insanely did a lot of uh, renovations in the 70s. 
so it tore down a lot of its Art Nouveau buildings and stuff like that. Oh, and, shit. Yeah. So this building is really beautiful. Yeah. That's what uh, Stefan, the guy who's running uh, Fax, um, said. It was like, the building's gorgeous. Yeah, so yeah. The museum's like, hey, it's all right. It's fine. But he, he likes the... Uh, you know, giant murals that are everywhere. Like, yes, I did see some of those when I went for a walk last night. When I got back to the hotel, I still don't want to go to bed because, you know, I have a rule that I can't go to sleep until yeah. it's bedtime, no matter how long I've been awake. So basically, I was up, I think, 29 hours without sleep before I finally hit the hay. I think he was saying that there was a, there is a Hergé statue somewhere around. Oh, okay. Yeah. There is one, too, at uh, this museum, but people normally don't see it because they just go right for the entrance yeah. rush and get in okay but it, like nearby there's this uh yeah there's a beautiful statue of him apparently huh. so uh you know you do see it beforehand or see it afterwards but it's there yeah but everyone is rush 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 to another traffic slow down Yeah, it was interesting because yesterday I got I got into Belgium at around ten, mm-hmm. or not into Brussels around ten, and so the station was you know fairly quiet and there wasn't a lot going on. But then this morning I went there at rush hour, you know, so everyone's coming off the trains to go to work and buses are coming and going and Carl Stalling music's playing. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That's actually uh, not close. That's Raymond Scott. All right. Composed that song. Power or something? Powerhouse, yeah. He's a, he was a jazz composer. So he actually, like, the, you know, he played, like, jazz music, but it wasn't jazz, true jazz, because it wasn't improvised. Like, mm. the, all the solos and everything were all, were all composed. So he did that for a number of years. Then in like the mid fifties or whatever, he got into electronic music. Yeah. And he started like became like an electronic music pioneer. And bizarrely, uh, collaborated with Jim Henson on these electronic move like shorts with like they're like kind of just um, they're not Muppet stuff. They're more just sort of uh, rap, so. So like, what time art? period was this? In the mid sixties. Okay. Early sixties maybe. This wasn't like the uh, thing uh, Jim Henson did where he had wings and was like going around and going, help, but it was like time, time something. I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen any of them. I just, I just heard about them. Oh, you got to see that. That's really good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I've never seen the one with the people in the room. Oh, shit. Okay. So, yeah, I need to like... Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's available on YouTube and I can just need it. It sure is. Yeah. watch it, but I have not. It's really well worth it. It's, uh, yeah, it's a thing. I've seen a bit of it, but I've never seen all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all, they'll all uh, probably hit you at an interesting level. Huh. It's like, oh yeah, I know that person, I know that person, and you're comforted by these faces that you definitely know from certain things. And then it goes into dark places that you're like, shit, this was on TV? Yeah. Like, okay, what was the reaction? Yeah, well, he's an person whose amazing creativity it's just so sad that he died so young because it just felt like you know he could have done so much more and it's interesting like 
almost in a way, like, he started with Sam and Friends, obviously. But they kind of moved away from that in the 60s, doing like small films and stuff like that that have nothing to do with Muppets. And then kind of went back to Muppets. I guess when I didn't really pan out so much, kind of returned to Muppets doing them on the Ed Sullivan show. Incorporated them into Sesame Street. And then Saturday Night Live, obviously, and then doing the Muppet show, etc. And then it felt like, you know, he could have moved out of that into more... Okay, we have to turn on to four point... In four kilometers, we're turning on to E40. Okay. Okay. And we're 30 minutes away. Yeah, we're supposed to be there by 12.30, so that's not bad. Yeah. Now that's 12.30. That, that, that's not taking into account me circling the block four, sure, four or five sure. times trying to find the entrance of the arcade. That's a totally different... Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll get there and I'll be like, uh, so when did he work on the Smurfs? <laughs> the other disappointing thing, I thought there'd be like a lot more... Payo stuff there, but there was very little payo stuff. That, okay. Uh, there was just there was like a Smurfs area, but it was all it was more for kids. You're gonna get you're gonna get you're gonna get that in France. You're gonna be all right. You're gonna be fine. So yeah. you're gonna be like uh, enough, <laughs> enough of these strumps. <laughs> There's a lot of strump stuff there. Show Dave the size of the Big Macs here. Right? Where? In uh, Paris. Oh really? Are they big? They got three sizes. Oh, kind of like. Well, you can do that now. No, you can't. You cannot get the like because we can get. You can double up or you can triple up with the meat. Yeah, yeah. But they have, they have the the grand big mac now as well. Yeah, no, they do. But it's not as big as that. It's not as big. That's <laughs> crazy. No. I can't even imagine. It's very big. I find like a normal one just is enough. Yeah. Last time we were where the heck were we? We were in uh, Dijon, uh, and um, yeah, we stopped at we stopped at McDonald's. And I did not have the big Big Mac. I had a Big Mac. Uh, but the teenagers next to me all ordered the Grand Big Mac. Okay. And were uh, in over their heads. <laughs> they went, oh, man, so big. Yeah, I could totally eat it. And, you know, a lot of English mixed with French. And then, oh. And a lot of slowing down. A lot of slowing down. A lot of, it was very much like when you were a little kid and you were like, I'm having a Big Mac attack. I would like a Big Mac, please. A child, you won't be able to eat it. No, I'm fine. Uh, it's too much. <laughs> and that's where we uh, stupidly, I say stupidly, it was fine. I've got no regrets. We went to the uh, Dijon uh, oh, the mustard shop. Museum, yeah. Yeah. Mustard Museum and ordered a bunch of mustards. And then they told us, you know, this comes from uh, British Columbia. Fuck, what? That's well, that's where we get the, the mustard seed. The seed, I guess, but not yep. the. Not the Techniques Technique. of making it. Nope, but that is their own vinegar and everything else. But we can get it Whoop. here, oh, that's and we can idea. get it here just as good as it is there. Okay. Yeah, they've got the techniques. Six hundred meters. Keep left at the fork to continue on E40. Okay. All right. But yeah, you can get really good mustard here. Stay left at the fork to continue on E40. Stay left at the fork, okay. Yep. Doing good. E40 or bust. Yes, Zaventem. 
who's going to be at the uh, museum. If it's mostly going to be, you know, British tourists. Yeah. Like, ooh. One thing that uh, warmed my Hergé-loving heart was uh, there's a huge conflagration, a huge, I don't know what you would call them. I'd say conflagration. Sounds fun. Of uh, scouts. Right by the, right by the, the Russell Central, the, the train station. Yeah. They're like doing a tug of war and there's like a, oh. no, there's like tons of them there. I was like, oh, that's heartening. There's still, uh, still scouts here. Nice. In uh, Brussels. Belgium, I guess I should say. Yeah. Well, that's very sweet. No, I am really looking forward to this. Thanks for making this happen. Oh, that you're putting into this. It's appreciated. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of funny. Like, when you told me last night, yeah. of course, and I was like, oh. I know. And I was like, and then I was kind of like, oh, I guess I, guess I can go by myself. If you tell me, uh, like, but yeah, that's not fun. Like, uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, we've planned this for months. Yeah, exactly. So then, so then I was like, well, I'll look into running a car. Now that's, you know, possible. Yeah. Because we could, I could cancel the tickets without penalty, except for my service fee for PayPal. Right. Um, I could cancel my... Okay, that's good. Without any penalty last night. I couldn't do it today, though. As soon as the day of, you can't cancel. Okay. Them, but, uh, so, so I'm kind of like. I mean, there's always something that goes oh, blah, 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 on trips. <laughs> but, like, there were just too many blah, 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 things. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But now I'm really glad we're doing this. This is good. They did not get back to me at all. I reached. I reached out to in them. Six hundred meters. Keep left at the fork to continue on R zero. Very good. Okay. But I reached out to them through a couple of different emails and through Facebook and through everything. It was oh, like, to the to the yeah museum. I think they're very uh, exclusive. I don't think. They're, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Keep I'm, left at the fork to continue on R zero. I appreciate the exclusivity, uh, but just tell me that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Continue on R zero for eight kilometers. They were uh, apparently when it opened, there was a lot of outrage because they wouldn't allow photographs inside the museum. Yeah. Because of copyright, blah blah blah, and I feel like you know you can share. Yeah. You can share. But now that they're kind of, I, I guess the the museum was losing money, so now they're kind of. Uh, they have, Bel they have Belgian money in it, so I think uh, they have to be more open. That seems more in the spirit of it. I think, um, from what I've read over time, I feels like, like, uh, Hergé's widow, Fanny, and then, I think she remarried this man who kind of runs the studio Hergé, and from what I've read, they're pretty, uh, they're kind of hard to deal with and pretty, pretty, uh, money-grubbing. Mm. So, just too bad. 
this is a great legacy that you are looking after and you know this is burning us and there's uh, looks like road workers in the okay it's warning us of legacy <laughs> when you have a legacy protect you you protect your legacy but you protect your legacy its integrity yeah not its financial uh, you know possibilities that's not protecting a legacy my opinion. Agreed. And to me, it feels like the more open you are about the stuff, the more fans you get, the more the books sell, the more things work out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just being, it's stepping over, you know, dollars to pick up pennies. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of, I think a lot of, well, I think a lot of things, things like, like the Tintin property and stuff like that are looking at Disney as the model of how you exploit your your um, you know intellectual property did Disney ever approach uh, Tintin I don't think I've ever heard of I don't think I mean the person I can't remember his name now Raymond LeBlanc I think his name was who who uh, basically kind of reinstated Hergé's reputation after after World War II when Hergé was, you know, there was collaboration, collaborationist accusations and things like that. I do think are kind of unfair. I don't think he was collaborating by working for a newspaper, although the newspaper was was kind of run, was admittedly run by, like, at least people sympathetic to the Nazis, if not by the Nazis themselves. I don't think Hergé was sympathetic to the Nazis. I think if you look at like um, King Ottokar's scepter and stuff like that, those are like not only are they criticisms of that, but also predictions of the, what was coming. Right. But I think once he was stuck in a situation, I mean, he, he only had one job, you know, mm -hmm. which is drawing Tintin. Like he just wanted to draw Tintin, so the way he could do that was by. You know, publishing his papers in Le Soir, and at that point, Le Soir was was in the pockets of the Nazis. Right. But I don't think that meant he was sympathetic to them any more than P.G. Woodhouse, who stupidly did not leave his French vacation home before the Nazis stormed into France and got captured by them, and ended up doing a broadcast to Britain. From, from Germany, uh, I think as part, I can't remember exactly the circumstances now, but you know he was majorly condemned for that. In fact, he did not remain in England after the war because there was so much condemnation. He moved to the states and spent the rest of his life there. But I don't think he was a collaborationist. I think he was just a guy who made a kind of dumb mistake, probably just overly confident in in. Uh, European diplomacy and thought, well, there's no way there's going to be a war with Germany, and then next thing there was a war with Germany, and he's stuck in it, and now yeah. he's... A pariah. Now he's a pariah, yeah. So, uh... So let's go to the P.G. Woodhouse Museum next. <laughs> We're on our former pariah tour. So after Le but LeBlanc, you know, like, he... He pretty much, like... I mean, he did reinstate Hergé which is an important thing and, you know, 
was important for Hergé. Because LeBlanc was kind of like a hero of the of the resistance. So he was able to, you know, kind of use his reputation to, to reinstate Hergé. But that did not mean that he didn't use Hergé as sort of a milk cow mm. for years afterwards. You know, it started like Tintin magazine that centered around Tintin, obviously, and, and you know, and Hergé. I pretty much kind of kept Hergé's nose to the grindstone forever after, even though Hergé became less and less interested in Tintin. You know, he was kind of kept chained to the drawing table because of his responsibilities to Tintin magazine right. and to LeBlanc. And, and then also LeBlanc started Bellevision. What's that? Which was the uh, the Bel- Belgian animation company. Okay. They did uh, that fantastic film, if I remember it. Pinocchio in space. <laughs> you know that movie? I've heard of it. Monstro the it. whale. That sounds about right. Okay, it's, yeah. Okay, it's not great. No. But the character designs are on point. Like it's moi in terms of character design. It's great. Yeah, I think I. Yeah, that sounds. That's. Sounds, I've seen a lot of Pinocchio stuff. I got a little obsessed with Pinocchio a while back. In. Uh, I saw it as a kid. It's happened. It's weird. It was one of those things where, like, I had a friend sleep over, and then he went home, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, nothing to do. Turn on the TV. And I turned on the TV and like sort of in the middle of this weird Pinocchio movie where he's in space. Yeah. And I started watching it. It was, it was fine. It was yeah. By the way, speaking as a kid. There's no uh, Pinocchio movie that isn't that weird Pinocchio. Movie. In three kilometers at the interchange, Leonard Leonar used the right two lanes to follow signs for E411 toward Neyman, Brussels. Okay. We're following a very slow truck here. You're going to see a puppet smoking a cigar and drinking a beer in, like, the most mainstream <laughs> of uh, Pinocchio movies before he turns into a donkey. And then all the boys are, like, taking off those salt mines. Yeah. Except yeah. for him, who then is eaten by a whale. So that's the most basic one. This is no better. Go back over here. Mr. Lane Changer. We're in a tunnel. Yeah, Belgian tunnel. We're going to the, the city now. You guys, uh, you guys like to uh, chocolate and waffles and stuff here? I had a waffle last night. And? That's good. That's good. I realized there was a make-your-own-waffle station at uh, <laughs> at the hotel. Is that the same? Nope, not at all. In fact, <laughs> disappointed to see. Like, I thought, no, they're not going to allow this. They're going to be proud of their waffles and not let this happen. <laughs> oh, by the way, the worst uh, scrambled eggs. Oh, my God. And then there were some, like, cold cuts that were there that uh, I think were legitimately off. Oh, really? Like, yeah, I, I, I showed them to pee and was like, does this look, like, edible? And so I tried eating a bit that wasn't gray. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, no, that's a bad time. <laughs> that time to come in. Yeah. But the eggs were, uh, oh, very, 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 very dry, like to the point of, you know, turning to sand. <laughs> Actually, I, I missed breakfast this morning. That's the most important meal of the day. Is it? No, you're going to have dinner tonight. You're fine. <laughs> Load up on dinner. <laughs> and no, it's not. It, that was made up by uh, Kellogg. Oh, was it really? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's, it's not in any way the most important meal of the day. Yeah, yeah. I in 600 it. meters at the interchange, Leonard Leonar used the right two lanes to follow signs for E411 toward Neyman, Brussels. Okay. 
Prince Neiman. Hey, I'm looking forward to that. What's that? The uh, Black Panther movie. Neymar. Oh, was Neymar in the Black Panther At the movie? interchange, Leonard Leonar, use the right two lanes to follow signs for E411 toward Neyman, then keep left at the fork. I don't know. He's on the poster, so I don't feel bad telling you that. <laughs> I think he's in the trailer, too. I just keep didn't realize that's what I was looking at. Oh, he's 100% in the trailer, yeah, but he's also on the poster. Keep right at the fork? I just expect we'll be walking around the museum, and uh, all these people will be like, those are the guys from Totally Tintin. That's a Tintin fan. I brought buttons if you want to wear one. Uh, you know what? I'm a little nervous too. I feel like I feel like um, I'll wear them tomorrow, but uh, in the museum I feel like I'm getting a hand on the shoulder. And uh, who made those? Who made what? The buttons you got there. What buttons? Let's say totally Tintin. Oh no, this is Rin Tintin. <laughs> Well, what's this about? Uh, why's the hair up? Oh, we're also uh, Ed Grimley fans. <laughs> I must say. I must say. You, you, oh, can't that. you can't just say uh, we're Ed Grimley fans. You have to say we're Ed Grimley fans, I must say. Yeah. We're Ed Grimley fans, I must say. And uh, you know how you did that parody of uh, uh, Rich and <laughs> It's a bit of a deep cut. A bit of a deep cut. But as Canadians, we know that. Martin Short, listen, you're going to be getting a phone call. <laughs> I'm going to need you. I know we don't know each other. We're, We're fellow Canadians. You. We're fellow Canadians. Some people think I'm a comedian. I don't know. Okay, listen. Yes, we do totally tend to. That's right. Are you a fan? Well, that's nice. I said fellow Canadian. I know. I, know. Oh, okay. I said also comedian. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I'm he just mentioned that he likes I'm totally tend <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, that's nice. You were using it. Oh, when you're researching your role as a podcaster, you listen to it? Oh, that's nice. Anyway, you're going to get me getting a call from Belgian police. <laughs> got to tell them. Tint the, the CUHA intellectual property, please. Totally tinted. So anyway, the long and short is, I think LeBlanc kind of saw him building up this sort of like alternate... Or parallel empire of Hergé okay. to, to what what Disney had done. I don't know if he exactly saw himself that way, but it feels like you know he had his own he had his own thing. Right. And there's no need for. Uh, I mean, they did make two two Tintin movies, live action Tintin movies. Sure did. Yeah. One good one. One good one. Yeah, and one was also completed. Is in <laughs> color? Is in focus? <laughs> yes. One. One coherent one, one incoherent one. I was saying um, to Stefan, every time I come to Europe, it feels like there's a new Asterix movie. And like, <laughs> Is there a new one? It looks like it. Huh? Yeah, and he was asking me if they're still translating the new Asterixes into uh, in North America. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, yep, they are. That's money. Money in the North Hills. We do not get the movies, but we do get the books. I've said that the... I've often thought that the... The ones that are just Uderzo by himself aren't as good as the Goscini Uderzo books. Yeah. But I also wonder if it's because Anthea Bell and Derek Hawkridge are no longer doing the translations as well. Like mm-hmm. I wonder when they when they stop doing them yeah, because a lot of this is about the translation. Because the translation also is part of it, and I mean all the like witty use of Latin and stuff like that. Yeah. You know. Well, I was saying to him, my kind of first exposure to Asterix was the newspaper strip. 
which was a translation on a translation. They translated the English translation into American? American and dumped it down even more. Okay. And uh, and no, no, this is not great. And then it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, reading the actual books, like, oh wait, this is good. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, I mean, I, I started reading Asterix before I read Tintin. But do you remember the newspaper strip? No, I don't. I they don't. would divide the books into, like, they did Cleopatra. Mm. Uh, but yeah, they divide it into three panels at a time and mm. figure it out. Which doesn't seem like you'd be able to do that, but they did. Mm-hmm. Well, they would have had to do some... Uh, well, we'll see that at the Tintin Museum. We're going to see where the strips that ran, ran in the soir were reconfigured into, I think... Red Sea Sharks? Okay. Well, you'll be able to ask them there. <laughs> That's when I'll say, uh, you know, Dave's a real Tintin expert. <laughs> and he'll go, shut up, shut up. Not, not here. What no, the hell's no. going on here? Yeah, what's... Some drunk guy. Yeah, who fucking drew these? <laughs> what's this? <laughs> right? You're from Belgium, you know. <laughs> We're from just random, out of, out of town. Random Orange Lions. He's from Aldergrove. you know where that is? I'll give you ten bucks if you know where that is. Just a couple of simple podcasters just trying to meet our, go to Mecca. <laughs> go to Mecca, yes, indeed. Our Mecca. This has been a long time dream of mine. One day we'll go to Abbey Road Studios, we'll walk in, we'll say, uh, let's find that sound effects uh, tape. Those obscure sound effects tape. Oh, did you listen to uh, Paul on uh, Fly on the Ball? Paul what? Paul McCartney on Fly on the Ball? No, not yet. I just... I just dread it because they're in... Oh, my God, Their interview technique is so awful. Awful. (laughs) So awful, yeah. So I just wanted to ask you... I just wanted to ask you, Paul, uh, what are your five favorite scarves that you've worn while performing? I don't know why I asked that. It's just a stupid question, but I just was wondering. Yeah, I have one too. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> those are, those are things to be uh, paid attention to, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You no, know, there's a. It takes a long time to get started. Like, they. They're just talking, and they're not talking to him. Just, he's there, and they just keep talking, and then they talk about how, yeah, we're bad because we don't really talk to the guests. And we just talk over each other. I'm like, oh, and then, he's, and then you're like, oh, Paul's talking. No, no, it's Dana talking as Paul. Oh, dude, blunky, blunky. I'm like, mm-hmm. Do you hear Paul laughing? He's not laughing. So let's just... Yeah, I like there was one point, Dana, okay. So, you know, uh, you just did that uh, get back. Uh, has anyone asked you about that? Has anyone <laughs> asked you about that? <laughs> and he realizes, like, that's a stupid fucking thing to say. And then it turns into a compliment, and then it's all over the place. Has anyone asked you about that? <laughs> oh, no. So did anyone say Sgt. Pepper's was good? Because I want to just let you know it's good. Well, thanks. Then they get into talking about them meeting Elvis. And it's just weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. 
Paul's main thing about that is you're so handsome. <laughs> I heard he was voted the, the most beautiful man ever. Nothing after that. You know what? We're five minutes away. I'm just going to shut up at this point and just <laughs> let this all happen. <laughs> I'm Ian Boothby. And it's still Sneaky Dragon. It is. It's a sneaky laundrette. My beautiful <laughs> sneaky laundrette. Yes. We're actually, we're around the corner and down the street from the Moulin Rouge. We really are. Which is uh, French for the Red Moulin. Yes. <laughs> yes, the Red Moulin. The unsuccessful film. Right. This is the communist version. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, anyway, that's the... Uh... So anyway, well, we're going to start the show by saying if you know how to use a French laundry... Please let us know. He's right in. Yeah. We have questions. <laughs> and and please don't confuse that with the restaurant, the French Laundry, which uh, is uh, very high-end. <laughs> oh, it's like, um, what's that one in London, like pharmacy or something like that, where it was, it was like, I think, Damien Hirst-backed uh, mm -hmm. restaurant that had, like, a pharmacy theme. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. I don't know what they did. I don't know if they served things in pill bottles or... Well, that's, that's nice. I mean, when you're at a pharmacy, you, you do get hungry. <laughs> that's the first thing that happens. Yeah, when you're... Well, they when do you're... recommend taking a lot of pills with, with dinner. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's convenient. Yeah, there's also that thing, too, uh, where uh, they'll say, uh, oh, your dinner will be ready in uh, another uh, two days. <laughs> but we'll give you an emergency uh, snack yes. that'll hold you over until, uh, until then. <laughs> yeah, it's all very fair. Yeah. So uh, it took us a while to figure out how this, this all worked mm -hmm. because uh, every, every laundrette is different. That, and also we didn't look over our left shoulder and look at the sign that was written in English. <laughs> I guess it's funny, like, every complaint that you have when you go somewhere, you're like, ah, nothing works, and then you're like, oh, except for this sign that explains <laughs> how it works. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me for my <laughs> losing that is, that is That is the, the thing. It's like you do lose the ability to read English as well. <laughs> but we just came from uh, Belgium. Yes. Where uh, we were practicing because we knew we were going to Belgium. Yes. So we better practice our French. Yes. And we get there and uh, the city is all Flemish. <laughs> so it's pretty much, yeah, strictly Flemish. Although I was in Brussels. Brussels is supposed to, it has a mix of French, English, like, or sorry, French, Flemish, mm -hmm. for signage and everything, but everyone you meet is French. And, but most of them can speak English, so it's actually quite convenient. Right. We were at a, a comic convention called Facts. Yeah, uh, which, what does that stand for, by the way? Uh, oh, boy. Fantasy. I don't know what, action? Maybe uh, art. Fantasy Comics. Art. Comics. Art. Technology. And sci-fi, sci yeah. yeah. Okay. The S is kind of added on at the end, so it's not like they're padding yeah, by yeah. the time you get to the end. But I noticed that's common. Like looking uh, at my map when I was going through uh, Ghent itself, there's they like to like ac do acronyms for places. Mm -hmm. So there was like a, a museum for rail transport, 
and it was called Stack. S-T-A-K. Oh, okay. And then there was another one for, I don't know what it was for, and it was called Stack. But that Stan. was because they really like Robert Stack and his work. <laughs> yes. But only the unsolved mystery oh, stuff, yes. none of the acting. And get rid of the C. Yes. And then, uh, then there was one called Stam, and I don't know what that was, but it was, I just thought it was sort of interesting. I guess they like their acronyms there. Mm-hmm. Or we're, we're less. Oh, A is for anime. Oh, A is for okay. anime. Oh, okay. By the way, that is uh, Pia Guerra, uh, who is uh, joining us while watching our laundry. Yes. Uh, and we're hoping, again, we're hoping we did things right. Yeah. We have no real idea. Well, we've, we've totally understood, misunderstood what a soap opera is. <laughs> staring at laundry. Yeah, we also tried to get some silence off the top, and uh, that just summoned every siren that there was. <laughs> Sirens. Both machines went into spin. Yeah. It was nice. It's a homey feeling. But long story short, we were at uh, the... Uh, and, you know, if you know anything about this podcast, it's not long story short by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. Okay, we're... We're all alone. We're all alone we're self-conscious. There's a lady here doing her laundry. And yeah. We don't want to bother her. We didn't realize it was a lady laundry. <laughs> but, yeah, we just came back from... Uh, from uh, uh, Ghent. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, Ghent, uh, Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Dave and I uh, were there. We were uh, selling uh, our book, Sparks. Mm-hmm. Story of, uh, and, you know, we got our pitch down now. Yes. Uh, it's a story of two cats want to be heroes. Cats don't uh, get respected as heroes, so they dress up as a dog, save the world from an evil alien baby. And we said no, that... But you added a great twist near the end, which I wish we'd had at the beginning. Free meth. <laughs> yes, that was good too. But no, uh, all ages adventure. Yeah, all ages adventure. That was really good because it, you know, it makes it clear what it, well, what a genre it is. Yeah. But also that it's not just for kids anymore. Well, here's the thing. Poo and uh, pow. One of the reasons for kids. Anymore. Yeah, and by we got that we got that down tight because we did that a million times <laughs> to people who go, I speak only Flemish, and I go, like, How do you how are you talking to us? And like, I'm not. I'm a ghost, and they float, <laughs> they float away. They died of boredom while talking to us. Uh, but why I why I was saying yeah. um, that uh, it was all ages adventure was because we're in Belgium, yeah. where uh, is the birthplace of Tintin. Yes, and so they understand all ages adventure. If you say sure. that. To someone, you know, in North America, it's a it's a bit of a confusing thing. I mean, maybe the Marvel I movies think, are, yeah, are all ages adventure. I think it's good. I think that's a pretty good descriptor, no matter where you are. I think it, I think it gives it like, especially when you're trying to sell, but a place like that where it's not just kids, right? It's adults, and to say give it the all ages thing because you know it recommends on the book itself. Yeah, quite often for, we'll go like we and 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 you'll like it too, but it feels like we're being yeah. you know please buy our thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> feels like we're being disingenuous. Not a, not very much, unlike we're selling two, book two and three without book one and insisting that you don't need book one. <laughs> it's fine. You'll pick up the story. Yeah, it's a pretty low low end concept. <laughs> Why is there a talking litter box? Huh? <laughs> but the people that uh, bought it and came back and did not want their money back seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, so that was right. nice. Yeah, the ones that didn't come back and throw it in our faces seemed to like quite a bit. Right. So, and we were uh, we were sitting with some other nice artists that we uh, yeah, like again. Yeah, made us feel embarrassed. Yeah, exactly. With Pia Guerra, of course, Pia I mentioned. There. It was very nice. Uh, uh, Glenn Fabre, uh, yeah. amazing uh, artist who you might know if you ever read the uh, Preacher series of books. He did like every cover for then. He did a lot of Hellblazer, and he also had great stories to tell about like 2080. There was another mm-hmm. fellow there, Dan Calloway. Or Calloway. No, oh, Cornwell. Cor- Cornwell. Yeah, who also worked uh, and currently works uh, for 2080. 
So yeah, we just—it was just so nice hearing all these uh, stories. Mm-hmm. We also uh, met Steve oh, Levine. Steve Levine, who's worked on like everything to do with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I just bought some video games uh, online of, uh, t- and he designed uh, almost every one of the boxes. Frankly, yeah. yeah. So that was that was. And he had a lot of Mirage slash Tundra hot tea to spill. Oh which yeah, yeah. I will not spill here because I feel like it was told to us. No, it was told. Yeah, confidence at all. Like he felt. We immediately like would tell everyone. I just want to prove him wrong. Right. For one episode, well, it'll come up in later shows. If you don't know what Tundra is, uh, was it Peter or Kevin? It was Peter Eastman who started yeah. Tundra. Who was one of the co-creators of? Uh, Sorry, Teenage Kevin Eastman who started Tundra. Yeah. Uh, who um, was one of the co-creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and decided to start a comic company and trust uh, uh, artists. <laughs> With, anyway, with so we heard money. some stories. We heard <laughs> some stories. stories with that. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty good. There's a lot of. Uh, I guess we can take some of it. I mean, it's public knowledge that uh, Kevin hired his uncle, who mm. was kind enough to give them some front money for the original yeah. Turtles, but he hired him as basically production manager. Yeah. No, absolutely no experience. Mm-hmm. You know, nice guy. And then they printed uh, 40,000 graphic novels of a title that they had pre-sold to Borders Books, to Barnes & Nobles. They yeah. had this fantastic bunch of interest in it. And then... Uh, they didn't, he forgot to put the UPC code on the actual uh, on the actual books, which makes them worth uh, worthless. Yeah, there They're you absolutely go. worthless. And but curiously, I guess because there was a time element to it, they didn't strip the covers of these books. They just ate the cost of this disaster. And I guess every person who worked for Mirage Studios had a collection of these books in their, in their carport, <laughs> uh, in boxes. So um, they gave them away at various turtle-related events. They, they basically gave them kind of like some sort of like, I guess they printed their business cards in the back of the books. Right. And just handed the books out as business cards, whatever, whatever they could do to get rid of them. Yeah, you'd say they were a collector's item, except there was too many of them to actually be a collector's <laughs> item. Yes. So like a worthless collector's item. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're, yeah, they're a collector's item in the sense that there's a million of them floating around. So yeah, we uh, we we got to like meet quite a few people and hear their stories, which mm-hmm. was uh, delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, gi- giant bowls of uh, French fries to every one of these things, yeah. all served with a fork and spoon combination that was uh, <laughs> just completely useless. Yeah, a dictionary definition of useless. And but what was curious was that we learned like the final night that we were there having dinner was they have the technology to do smaller bunchings of, like, groupings of fries. Like, yeah. someone else got theirs in sort of a, what do you call those things? Like, a little round, like, the little round... A terrine? A terrine, I guess. But yeah, that's what they had. They had, like, an individual amount of fries in there. And so I was thinking, oh, great, we all get individual amount of fries with our meal. But no, when we ordered, they still insisted on bringing, like, the, the group fries, the yeah. communal fries came out. And yes, I immediately spilled them onto my lap, trying to take them out of this uh, also kind of tilted bowl. Mm-hmm. Like it was a weird, it was just a weird setup. Yeah, I, I, I became a, a strong advocate for the tongs. <laughs> and, uh, and you meant the Chinese gangs, I thought originally, and I was yeah. sort of arguing against it, but we figured out what, we, what you actually meant. Now, uh, we started off uh, our. And see, uh, the tongs also realized that they were being inefficient. They started the triads because they realized that three grabbers was better, and that would have been probably good too. Use a triad to pick the fries out of the. And that's just math. Spear <laughs> math. <laughs> so for the for the longest time, 
uh, Dave has has had a, a dream to go somewhere, mm-hmm. and uh, and we we couldn't go there because it was a dream, and that's not <laughs> possible. And of course, that's Dragontopia. Yeah. Uh, a, a place where you can fly on a dragon and then eat the dragon. <laughs> that's right. And that's not I wanted uh, to go to Pern the, and McCaffrey's fantasy land. I've never actually read those books. They, even as a teenager who enjoyed fantasy, the idea of people having to read books about dragons seemed ridiculous. <laughs> I've got a few chapters into the first, Crystal Singer, which oh. is sci-fi verse. Okay. I didn't really get it. Okay. Yeah. And that was also cool. So. Yeah, there's no shame in that. Yeah. But, but because uh, we were weren't able to do that, because we were you had headphones on, you didn't care. Absolutely fine. Listen, people are just coming into the laundromat and like doing their laundry as they should. Yeah. they're correct to be doing this. We, we are incorrect door. to be doing what we're doing. <laughs> I am, I am like crushingly embarrassed, and yet it's making me giggle that we're doing this. It's so stupid. And, and you know, I, I mean, listen. I know you listen to this nonsense that we do every week, mm-hmm. but imagine doing it in public in a foreign country <laughs> while people are trying to do laundry. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, uh, we went to the Hershey Museum. Yeah, it was, and it was, um, we're going to talk about it more at length. Hello. We're going to talk about it more at length um, when we do our probably yeah. episode about it. But mm-hmm. Suffice to say here that it is a... It's not only is it an Hergé fan's dream, but I think it's like a comic book art, like comic book fan's dream. Mm-hmm. And especially like a cartoonist's dream, because so much of it is about the detail and the, and the technical elements of, of his work. Mm-hmm. You know, things that you would feel like people would be like, like if it was in a normally curated thing, people would be like, oh, that's too boring. Like, that is so inside baseball. No one wants to know about his favorite pen or what kind of paper he liked to draw on or see rough drafts of things, you know, with. And you're kind of like, yeah, they do. Yeah, That's exactly what people yeah. want. And the nice thing was you had people who were the hardcore fans like Dave, but then you also had little kids just running around. Yeah. And they were loving certain things. The yeah. parents were loving things. And yeah. I'd say it's an all-ages adventure. <laughs> you can quote them. We'll send, we'll send that quote to them if you yeah, want to use absolutely. it on something. So, yeah, we will be doing one more bonus episode of uh, Totally Tin Tin. Uh, and talk more about that. But uh, it was just great seeing Dave's uh, face light up when mm. you got to see uh, the white outlines. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. And it was sort of an adventure anyway because, you know, we had, you and I had planned for the Friday. We had made all these plans. We booked train, trains to go there. So everything was arranged. And then Ian got to the site and, and discovered that um, they were pretty much like, like locked away in one corner of Ghent. Near the near the expo, mm-hmm. at a at a at a hotel there, yeah. and because of construction, like all the kind of normal, sophist- you know, I guess cultured ways of traveling were unavailable, and it was going to be like what twenty five euros, yeah, one way for a cab, yeah, and so he, r- he wrote and said, hey, this is what's happening, yeah, and it looks pretty grim, and also was very broke at the time, yeah, yeah. and and that's part of it too, and but I don't want you to spend. 50 euros to go somewhere, so so then uh, I, and I was and I was kind of worried on my part because I had paid for the tickets. So and I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to cancel these tickets. And well, before I cancel them, I was like, I'm going to see if I can rent a car. Yeah. And so I went online and went to Kayak, and they were offering this deal. It was 54 American dollars for us to rent a car for the day. And so I immediately booked it. I admit I booked it for the wrong day. 
Uh, and it was a blimp. And it was that, a blimp. I still haven't canceled that. I meant to do it when I dropped the car off. Shoot, I forgot. Anyway, let's not talk about that right now. But please remind me later. Um, so I, uh, I, uh, I rebooked it, and then I was really worried because I'd written by that point I'd canceled the tickets and written to Ian and been like all you know proud of myself walking around the room like a rooster <laughs> and say you know I got the train, you know I canceled the trains, booked the car, it's all it's all a go. And then I looked at I looked at the confirmation and I was like twenty eight. What does that sound familiar? Well, because that's the day we're leaving France. Okay, um, let me go back online and see if I can get a car. And it was I still found the same deal. Same got a car that day. It all worked out great. And then uh, you know went and picked up the car. And that was kind of fun too because I had to take a bus through Brussels. It um, quite a ways through like. Outside of Brussels, sort of to the uh, outskirts, right? Because they, they have like an area called Brookstall's Docks, which is, I guess, a concert area, like a concert arena. And then it's sort of the tr- they're sort of building like kind of a new kind of entertainment district there. And so that was under construction as well. So that made the roundabout <laughs> a lot of fun. But um, I went, I went out there by bus and picked up the car. So and I got to see the city. So I feel like, you know, when you're taking the trains and stuff like that. Or even like I spent most of my time in Brussels itself. This is great. Just doing the end of, end of its run, end of its life. Yeah. Thank this you. is very similar to the washing machine we have in our place in terms of sound. Okay. So yeah. Oh, so you have front loaders? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. How do you like them? Uh, most times good. Okay. Except when they make a lot of sound <laughs> and, and such things. Yeah. Ours are downstairs, so I don't think they'd be that big of a fuss. But anyway. Um, so yeah, so it was nice just to go through the city and, and what's great, of course, is because I love to read Franco-Belgian comics of a particular vintage. And so you're going through these older neighborhoods and you're looking around and you're like, Oh, you're seeing oh, the style. Yeah, yeah. You're, like, you're looking at all these buildings like, oh, these look like all the houses in, uh, you know, Gilles Jardin or Tiffon Tondu or whatever, like all the neighborhoods that Frank Anne would draw. These all look the same and kind of the same when I was driving out to get you. And we're, I'm driving past farmlands and past these dairy farms and I'm looking at them going, Oh, these farms look like the same. You know, all the farms where things are happening in the. So it's so great to be in that. You know, the area and everything. You know. Yeah, totally. It's it's really really interesting. Uh, I'm just gonna say that this about the uh, the Hergé Museum. It uses and I'm, again we'll get more specific on the actual show, but it uses space in a way a North American museum never will. No, no, no. Yeah, it's totally. It's totally about allowing you space to to be like. To kind yeah. Of, and you, you walk in an open space between each exhibit. You know, you don't just go from one room to the other. You kind of go, there's a few rooms like that, but then you, you walk across like a gangway. Yeah. Into this big open area to the next one. You know, and then you go downstairs and you go through a gangway and it's just, it's really, yeah. I kind of breathe and between. The, and, the, and the walls are angled with just a little bit of art on them. Yeah. In yeah. a way that if it was North America, they would just plaster and fill every inch. Yeah. You know, yeah. with as much as possible. Yeah. And it's not like, there's a shortage of anything to see. There's three floors of amazing things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just such a well, well-designed uh, museum. So we had a great time there. And then, yeah, did the convention. Uh, speaking, y- your story of the uh, the car thing reminds me that we were sitting next to a gentleman who I'm not going to say his name, uh, but uh, he uh, came to the wrong convention. He was going to he uh, he thought he thought he was going to a convention in Belgium uh, the next week. Uh, confirmed it all, yeah. and it turned out he was not booked there at all. Oh, and so, uh, so they confirmed with him. 
Uh, no. Or he just sent them a confirmation email. That's right. He's like, well, I'm on the way. And then uh, he was actually asked to go to this convention, which is a week beforehand. Like, so you're coming? What? I, I just confirmed with you. No, you didn't. Well, look at this. Yeah, that's a different convention. Oh, are you doing both? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, so he ended up staying uh, a week. Uh, he's still there. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's still there is what we're saying. I think he ended up going to Amsterdam uh, to oh, do some signings there. Well, and, and bless him, uh, a person came up with an offer to uh, do some stuff in Amsterdam, but it did sound like it could have been a kidnapping. So we'll um, see what happens. Okay. You know, well, we're just like, there's. Uh, we'd love to have you there. Please come. Uh, and and then he told a story about a, a, another artist who had a similar situation where it was just a bunch of people who were fans who uh, invited the artist to uh, their house. We can say his name. Okay, that was Mark Wade, and uh, invited the uh, artist to uh, their house. Yeah. And he was like, uh, so where's the hotel? There is no hotel. Where's the convention? This is the convention. Uh, and yeah, it was just they wanted him in the basement. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is still alive. Oh yeah, he's still fine. He's, he's still thriving. fine. He's Mark Wade is doing great. Yeah, everyone, everyone remarks that you can hardly see the rope burns anymore. <laughs> so you, you also had a, a, a story you wanted to tell. Oh and yeah. You said I'm yeah. not going to tell you this story yeah. because I want to save it for the podcast. I did. Now I've forgotten it. And then you <laughs> told us the story. Yeah, I broke. And now you've forgotten the story. No, I've forgotten it. But yeah, so um, now because I was a little out of the loop where things were happening and everything, although I I knew it was by the facts thing or by the expo, and when I looked, but when I looked for places to stay in Ghent, even though I like put in specifically expo. <laughs> Um, the Google was kind of like, well, how about over here somewhere else? <laughs> and they recommended a Holiday Inn, but it wasn't a Holiday Inn by the Expo. It was a Holiday Inn Express somewhere else. And so I'm kind of glad that I stayed where I stayed, though, in yeah. terms of, like, um, location. It was really beautiful. Like, it was yeah, right, right you got to walk around and see a lot of yeah, the architecture. Yeah, I got right, I was right by a cathedral and this, by this beautiful place, like a place, you know, a big concourse in front of front of it we were next to a stagnant water museum <laughs> so you know it was listen, a it was a tribute yeah. to uh, uh larvae yeah and well, that uh, was the stem museum for the water lilies that's that right yeah. and we made the mistake of opening our window uh on the first night and reading a sign inside that said whatever you do don't open this window uh there are yeah. there are insects so so i had to travel uh, quite a ways to get to um, get to where where you were where the show was and so on the final night, which I was kind of assuming that, you know, they took us out Friday for dinner. They took us out Saturday for dinner. I yeah. was kind of thinking, Very nice. why not Sunday? Why not Sunday? They said, they said why not Sunday? Because it's over and you're out of here. So <laughs> uh, there was no Sunday get together. So we had, a, we had dinner at the hotel that you were staying at. Mm -hmm. And then I had to leave. So despite it being a massive lightning storm. <laughs> want to pause? So we were no longer 
in, in my the, beautiful laundrette. In my beautiful laundrette. And we're no longer in a car. I don't know if we had any of that. I yeah. I I'm not certain how that whether if that audio worked or not. Yeah. Maybe it's so. Maybe really you've weird. listened to a little of us uh, in a car as well. If you have not, yeah, that is a bonus uh, <laughs> feature for those of you on our Patreon Plus, uh, which is where you uh, say to us, uh, "I I would like to hear that." And yeah, we go like, "Okay, take it." Like, cool. how much does that cost me? Nothing. We don't. We don't care. But uh, yeah. So there I, you go. so I was in the middle of a story when we decided to uh, pull the ripcord and yell Geronimo, and we left the. Uh, the laundrette. Laund- now, here's, here's the thing. Laundry there were some people that were showing up. There were older folks. Yeah. And it felt like we were being uh, king of the jerks, uh, <laughs> taking up all this space and seats and whatnot. So we just went yeah. bail. Yeah. And we went out. And uh, did, I me- did I mention at the time that we were like a block from uh, where the Amelie Cafe was? Did I say that? We mm. were. So anyway. We were. I didn't know that. Yeah. It was a dreamy kind oh, of. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, well, you know how we had the Chinese food afterwards? Yeah. Yeah, directly across the street is the cafe. Oh, is that right? Anomaly, yeah. Oh. So Dave didn't know that. No, so, I didn't. Uh, uh, sorry about that. I thought that. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, you know, we can go there afterwards. If we want. I didn't bring my Amelie guidebook. All right, very good. So some of us must have. I mean, we're, we're giving Dave a lot of Amelie stories. Anyway, <laughs> listen, uh, Dave has a story that he was in the middle of, and uh, then he's got another story to tell you. Some <laughs> things have happened since, oh boy, I'm telling you. Uh, but uh, you were you were telling a story of All right. Well, before uh, we start, yeah, yeah. But before that... But I just this, want I want to just ask you one question. Yes, sir. Is your bed as big as the bed in my room? Yes, but then I have I sleep in it with my lovely wife. You, well, you know what's weird is it's two beds put together. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think we got that sim- similar situation. Yeah. When 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 I was checking in, uh, there was a couple of couples. Yeah. Who were told, ah, oh, we got you the a room with two beds. Yeah. And they were like, but I would like one bed. Yeah. And uh, it's like, well, okay, we'll get you one bed. But yeah, it seems like they just smush the beds together. Smush the beds together, and I think they have like a top sheet that they lay across. Okay, but something you've got going on here yeah. is that your end tables seem to reach your bed, whereas ours do not. Like, it's like it's clear that we really oh, were two okay. beds. Oh, okay, so this was really like a we had one the, bedroom. Yeah, here. we had the Dick Van Dyke uh, show, yeah. uh, Rob and Laura sleeping apart <laughs> situation, but they smushed the beds together for us. Uh, whereas you... Uh, yeah, this is really big, because I think... This bed is probably as wide as our actual, like the one half of the bed is as wide as our actual bed we sleep in at home. Oh, wow. So, Are you enjoying a big bed or is it too big a bed? It's, well, I mean, I take up very little room in the bed. Right, you sleep under the bed. I sleep, <laughs> I sleep under the bed. I sleep on top of the cover, covers and, un, and on top, under the bed. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it is big. Like, I, I mean, obviously I'm not yeah. roaming it. And in fact, I moved the one pillow that was... 40 feet away, and I put it with my other pillow. I felt they look rather, rather lonely. There are two more pillows behind us, right. but I didn't see the point of wasting Dave, them. I would also say you should take a picture of your view because it's a beautiful view. Yes. And uh, uh, PMI view is uh, less so. <laughs> is that right? We have a nice view of uh, a better hotel. But, no. Are you looking into the courtyard? Uh, we're looking into, uh, no, no, we're not looking into the courtyard. Oh, okay. We're looking, yeah, I, you know, we're not even, I don't even know what we're looking at, okay. quite frankly. <laughs> we keep the curtains shut. We're uh, loners. <laughs> the, I'll tell you one thing about this, yeah. uh, both of our situations here, mm-hmm. which is um, it, they do this thing in Europe uh, at some points because, you know, Europe is wrong sometimes. Okay. They got the bath, the bathtub and the sink in a separate room than the toilet. Yes, I have know, that as well. It's classy. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 I just thought the toilet was bad. 
Yeah, the toilet is bad, knew what it did, and had to go to a separate room. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, the room with the toilet in it is very small. Oh, it is so small. It is so small that your shoulders have to stay outside where you <laughs> when you poop. So uh, it's, it's that's something. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, in theory, the idea of putting the toilet in a different room, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. But it also is like... Well, I'm going to now have to wash my hands. Mm-hmm. I've got to go into a different, different department, yeah, yeah. go through a couple of scanners. And, get out of the off suite yeah. into the on suite. Yeah, yeah it yeah. just feels very strange. It's, it is odd. Meaning that it's the dirtiest knob in the world. Inside. <laughs> um, two of them. Yeah, two of them. So uh, Europe, a couple of things. Number one, yeah. uh, put your toilets uh, where <laughs> near the sink. That's a good thing to do. Sure. Uh, and two... Um, Talk to someone about how to make a hamburger. That, that those two things, and I, I've had a couple of hamburgers here now, and the meat is oh, it, it is so soft. Yeah, it's a feathery, it's a feathery. <laughs> is meat. it too soft? It's too soft. Okay, it's like a feathery meat. It's like meat made of feathers yeah, covered yeah. in brie cheese. <laughs> it was odd. The, brie, yeah. the cheese was odd. Yeah, the cheese was odd, but it was it's fine. And I then mean, and then a bun that I'm is okay softer than the meat. Sure. You know that if you look at it sideways, it melts in front of you. <laughs> And it's like, it's all, you know, listen, let's talk later about how to make a hamburger. Okay. Now, Dave was in the middle of a story. I was Back in the middle of a story. So so my story was me leaving. Uh, this is After Facts. This is an After Facts. And we're story. in Belgium still. We're yeah. in Ghent. We're in Ghent, yeah. And so, uh, as I said in the last, uh, before we interrupted ourselves. Um, we're like, Dave, elderly. <laughs> elderly people. They don't like podcasts, you know, your mom and dad. <laughs> that was the noise they were making. It was very frightening. So They started burning us with long cigarettes. <laughs> on holders. <laughs> and so I thought, so, I'm sorry. So, yeah, I was just, so in uh, Ghent, I was, I had uh, booked blindly, I'll, I'll admit, I booked a, a hotel miles away from the, or kilometers when you're mm-hmm. kilometers away from the other, the uh, your hotel and right. the actual exhibition. Because Dave hates nerds, <laughs> right. and if he sees a cosplayer, he starts. I hate he nerds. starts throwing his fists up. And convenience makes me so angry. Oh yeah, yeah, you like yeah, a yeah. nice long walk. Yeah, I'm like, why would I just want to walk from one place to next door? I would much prefer to take a half an hour, well, forty minute bus yeah. ride. Um, you're like whistling long operas. And that's, and that's your opportunity to do so. <laughs> so in the midst of that uh, lightning storm that uh, on the final night, I, I said, my, I said my, my dear farewells to everyone that was there. And then I, I left and I was walking along. And like I said, I was walking along like a road. And it's kind of like walking in, in Richmond. And then there's no sidewalk. Mm-hmm. There's a city mate, you know, it's like this area is kind of an industrial area. Yeah. And so there's no, they have not yet like decided people should be there. So it's all it's all for cars, yeah. buses, no humans. So I'm just walking yeah, along a, this there's road. A, yeah, there's a hotel, there's an exhibition hall, there's an IKEA. End of list. That's it. There's like plans to build stuff. Oh, lots of plans. But we don't know what, what's actually going to happen. Yeah, that's in God's hands. <laughs> so, and there's a roundabout that's very confusing called <laughs> the Loop. Yeah, it's a really big roundabout, and basically you have to go all the way around it uh, and come back around again to get out of the loop. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in the loop, you have to go around the loop to get out of the loop. Right. It's kind of confusing. But anyway, so uh, I'm walking along. I get to this scary corner because you don't know what's coming. So I'm walking like around a blind corner into traffic. Yeah. And there's trees, so there's nowhere to step off of. Yeah. Yeah, that was, wasn't a very happy moment. But anyway, I, I come around the corner and there's my bus stop. You know, I've been walking, following my steps on Google Maps. Right. Which is a brand new skill that I'm developing. I've never done this before. 
following this. It's like a little dot that has a flashlight, a blue mm -hmm. flashlight, it looks right. like. And where the blue flashlight's pointing, that's where you should be walking. Right. And so you'll be like looking at the blue flashlight. You're like, all good, all good. And then you look at it like a couple minutes later and you're like, like off the page and you don't know where you are. Yeah. So then you're like searching for yourself. And there's a spell and crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Understood. And the, the C, the C ends. There's like a dragon there. <laughs> so then I, uh, so then I see the bus stop. I walk, I walk over there. There's this, uh, young woman there, this, uh, young Chinese woman. And they said, hello. Hey, I want her to know I can't speak French or we, right. or, or Flemish particularly. Right. And also no threat. That's my hope that by saying hello. Right. Because, because yeah. a threatening person would never say hello. No, no. Just... There's never been someone called the hello killer. <laughs> That's exactly. There hasn't. Yeah. It's been the hello kitty. Yeah. That's as close as they've got. So I uh, went and I just kind of stood near, but not near her, like, you know, at the bus stop. And then she comes over and she's like, kind of like looking at the schedule. And then she says, and I guess she assumed that I didn't speak. Well, I assumed I didn't speak Mandarin, which is very accurate. Right. But she assumed that you could just speak Cantonese. Yeah, I can only speak Cantonese. Because <laughs> I'm from Vancouver, you know, we have yeah. a big Cantonese population. So she says in kind of broken French, um, no, sorry, broken English. The French was good. Uh, broken English, she says, I don't think the bus is running. I don't think the bus is running at all. And I'm, and of course, we're looking at a schedule that says the bus is running. So we're right. like, well, it says here, the bus should be coming. She says, well, I've been here like 40 minutes and the bus hasn't come. Like no bus has come. Right. So we're, we're like, oh, okay. So she goes, maybe we should walk farther up that way she points up that way and I'm let, like, let me also say this yeah. is foreshadowing for the rest of our trip <laughs> what my lack of no no just the bus a bus saying, oh yeah saying like hey the bus is coming man yeah yeah, yeah. someone's written on the bus stop bus not here yeah people like... have written angry things and markers <laughs> on it no bus here so uh we uh we walk farther up like closer to where the convention thing was we walk right. up, up this road and then we're standing there we're waiting and i'm and we're you know we're still we're looking at the thing i'm, I'm trying to look at some sort of like online thing that will hopefully tell us and then there's people across from us who are waiting so you're like oh that's good at least people are across sure, from sure, us this sure. means something's happening yeah we'll all die together <laughs> at the very least and then a car comes and picks them up it's gone <laughs> so then you're like well oh no so, so then we're saying that, and then this other lady comes walking by, and so I said, "Oh, excuse me, uh, do you know if the bus is running here?" And then she points to this sign. It's like a a laminated piece of paper that someone's dangled there with string, and someone's <laughs> torn off half of it, and it's turned away from us. And she says, "Oh, that sign says the bus isn't running here." So. Thank goodness for the bus service. So then she said, maybe you should go up to somewhere. And then this, the Chinese girl I was with, was, she's like, oh, I know, like, I know where to go. So I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. That's good. We'll go together. So then we go walking up. We walk along this road. And then we, like, we saw that all the construction along the tram lines. So then we knew, oh, this is why the tram line isn't running. Because they decided to tear it up at the biggest event of the year in, yeah. in Ghent. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Good planning, guys. And so then, but we get up to the street. Just in time to see our bus 
76 if people are interested the 76 go by and then it stopped and she's like oh shit that's the only English word she said that's not the only one but that was one she knew very well she's like oh shit and then it drove away she's like oh shit so then we walk up to the bus stop and, and then we get in our Google apps and it tells us the next bus is like 26 minutes away okay cool or we could walk 24 minutes <laughs> so like so we're standing there and I said, well, do you want to walk? She goes, oh, yeah. So so then we started walking together into into like downtown Ghent. And our only mistake was that we were slavishly following our Google walk, our Google Dots. And then it took us past a bridge to a dead end by the river. Oh. Then we realized we had to go up the bridge. So then we, but it's just, you just don't know. Like it doesn't show yeah, you, yeah, like, yeah, it yeah. doesn't say a bridge or anything. Like it's just dots. So anyway, and it hasn't got that voice thing that GPS has, where it's like, when you get here, yeah, yeah. do this thing. That's right. Yeah, it doesn't tell you anything, so, so it's, it's kind of uh, not very helpful. And then, uh, yeah, we had a nice walk together in, into Ghent, talking uh, a mixture of French and English. Mm. And then uh, we got to the station, and at first I thought she said she didn't have. Like, she wasn't taking the train. That's what I thought she had said originally when we kind of first started on this whole thing. And then I was worried. Because then I said, well, do you have somewhere to stay? And she said no. So then I was worried, like, oh, what's, what's she going to do when we get to the station? Yeah, yeah. But when we got there, she was taking the train. So it was okay. just my mistake. And then I said, oh, I'm taking the tram. And she said, oh, good, you're taking the train too. And I said, no, I'm taking a tram. I'm sorry, I don't know what that word is in, in French. So I couldn't help her out there. So I'm just kind of like, you know, I can't even, like, do, like, a driving signal because what does that mean i'm gonna drive the tram no so i'm like i said i have to go that way anyway so this is where we parted and we finally told each other our names i said oh, my name's david and she said oh my name is o'shea and i said well it's very good to meet you and so we shook hands and then that was the end of that oh that's nice we'll never see each other again maybe maybe not well that's true i don't you never know. say never obviously but but we know you know most likely it was our before sunset well sunrise. after sunset before sunrise Around midnight, it was something right. like that. Yeah, it was our thing. It was fun. So by the third, the third time you meet, you'll have broken up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I caught a tram, and then I went to my beautiful uh, hotel because it really was a beautiful hotel. Oh, good, good. Yeah, like I You've know, had good hotel luck on this trip. Yes, yes. I, what you, like this room is good luck. I, well, I think this is a nice room. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean the uh, the last room uh, I I was in. You know, it was Mosquito Town. Yes. You know, there's there's some flaws. Mm -hmm. You know, we mm -hmm. got used to it. We figured things out. Uh, the way you, I, I think I mentioned the way that you run the shower is, you, and if I'm repeating this story, I apologize. I don't remember. What it, yeah, what so, we said. Is so if you feel like having a nice uh, hot shower in the morning, uh, as you're going to sleep at night, uh, turn the shower on, mm. uh, and it'll, and then when you wake up in the morning, go in. Uh, read a book, yeah, and then the hot water might have started up mm, by that point. Mm. Then you can get and have a shower, sure. and uh, then uh, turn it off, yeah, and then immediately turn it back on again because that's yeah. for your shower the next day. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it takes a while for that hot water to heat up. Yeah, and it's it's weird because, well, it's not weird, but I I'm actually not a fan of like the bathtub combo, like shower combo. That's like this one has that as well. Yeah, I don't think that's the greatest. I preferred the 
only a shower setup that I had in the hotels that I was in. in Bellevue, Not to complain too much about the bathroom, but let's let's one more time. So the room that's got the sink and the bathtub in yeah, it, yeah, uh, it's got um, it's got one of those things where they go like, hey, you know, shower curtains, how that thing has worked for like hundreds of years. Screw that. What we're gonna do is we're gonna do like half glass. Yes. Oh, oh, you mean like solid glass that like seals it off so the water doesn't? No, no, no. Loosey goosey glass. Yeah, it's gonna swing. It's gonna swing back and forth. It's, it's, so don't rely on that. It's to gonna get swing in the like, bathtub. It's gonna swing like a seventies uh, sub suburb. Um, yeah. So any pressure you put on it opens it up, which yeah. lets the water hit, and then just goes straight to the floor. And now whoosh. So yeah, you're gonna soak the floor regardless. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, try not to like splash any water behind you in the tub. You know how like the back of a tub is always bone dry after a shower. <laughs> you know that's because you don't need any coverage there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good thinking all the way around. Ah, so many flaws. There's and your burgers. Of... Oh, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> the, the, the French fries today were good. I know they just call them fries in France. But uh, the fries were good. Best fries I've had so far in France. The palm frites. The palm frites. Yeah, they were, so, they were good. So we're going to build to the uh, tragédie. But <laughs> before we do that, we will say the uh, comedy. The comedy. Uh, and the joyous uh, uh, meetings of uh, us and uh, a listener and uh, new friend, uh, Regis. Yes. That was uh, very fun. We got to uh, meet up with Regis at a cafe. David had the steak. Mm. Uh, I had uh, Regis and I both had the risotto yeah. uh, with the chorizo, chorizo, chorizo sausage, chorizo yeah. sausage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, we we got to meet uh, yeah our new friend, which was a, a real treat. Yeah, it was. It was. We had a fun conversation, a wide ranging conversation. It was almost like a sneaky dragon episode in itself. With and a lot it of... really was because <laughs> it ended with uh, just a discussion about David Fincher's. Um, <laughs> seven uh and how much uh it was terrible and uh and both regis and david uh disliked it for very different reasons well kind and yet of both really disliked it yeah i think kind of a venn diagram different yeah. i think there was like a meeting ground but we both came at it from different points of view here's why it's shit no here's why it's shit yeah. <laughs> fellas it's two kinds of shit at once <laughs> that's right you put your shit in my shit yeah um yeah, it was good though. It was really good, and then I made a catastrophic mistake that I think about over and over again. The last the last couple of days. Okay, keeping this podcast going. Keeping, keeping the podcast going. Past ten years. <laughs> no, I paid. I paid for my uh, lunch, and then I didn't put my wallet back in my bag which has been my habit to tuck it back into this little secret pocket at the back of my my knapsack my little kind of not really a knapsack it's sort of like a pouch sort of right. thing sort of a half knapsack or shoulder bag sort of thing and so i had my wallet right in my back pocket which is like the biggest no-no you can you can make uh and i like if you read any kind of tour guide to paris they warn you about doing these sort of things and so i did it and I've kept meaning to, to put it in, but you know, you get kind of complacent and then you know, we're having this great conversation and then we get onto the Metro, right. the Metro comes to get on it. And this black guy jumps in front of me and starts dodging around me like it's a basketball game. And at first I was confused, which is too bad because I realized right away, as soon as like, I kind I of, I was behind him. Yeah. As soon as I kind of, as soon as that happened, I, First, you're kind of like, oh, what? He's, and then I realized, no, I'm being pickpocketed, and I immediately felt the back of my pants, and my wallet was gone, and uh, then I feel like an idiot. Then, of course, and then you're angry, 
And so I, I completely held up the entire metro system. Yeah, you leaned I, against the door. I stood, between, I stood in the doorway, wouldn't let either door close, and I demanded this guy return my wallet, which of course he didn't have. It's one of those Because he was team, the distraction. Yeah, he was the distraction, the other guy. And, uh, and of course, I go through this over and over again, because once, once this happens to you, then you have the, the revenge fantasies, of course. You have, first you have the, like any, if you're in a car accident or anything, you, 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 you know this experience, is the immediate, like, feeling like, like, if I could go back in time five minutes and change something, yeah. that would be great. Just let me, let me get, you know, and then that's sort of your, your regret that you go through. And then, and then you move from that into revenge fantasies. And, uh, you know, so then you're like, you know, if I push that guy over or I move back quickly or if I grab the person who was standing by the door because I think he had something to do with it and was waiting for his friend and yeah. then took off once things kind of got hot. Yeah. But all, all those kind of feelings are, are, are going through you, of course. And so, you know, this guy played the, the innocent card. Like, in, you know, he pulled out his phone, pulled out his wallet, okay. made a big show. I'll get into my perspective on this <laughs> afterwards, but go ahead. And, uh, you know, and it's just pure futility. And so after a while, you're kind of like, oh, what am I doing? Like, this is not going to get anything done. And then this guy, like, he just, like, stormed off in a, you know, so, so offended by my accusing him, of course. And then, uh, because I was holding the train up, uh, a worker came. Yeah. A little guy wearing, like, I think, uh, coveralls or maybe someone else's. Yeah. Um, he borrowed them for the day, perhaps, because they did not fit him. They were <laughs> not his. But, uh, so he, I guess he and another guy, another another guy took us, and then we, I don't know, ended up confronting this guy again. I don't know why that had to happen to some sort of stair theater. Uh, and this guy literally pulled his pants down. Yeah, no, yeah. To... You know, yeah, yeah. and part of part of my thinking after that was, what a perfect time to kick him in the nuts. <laughs> you know, because his pants are down. What he? What can he do, right? But uh, yeah, he's as innocent as can be. He had, you know, and um, so then the metro worker and and this other guy who was sort of I don't know why he accompanied us, but we all trooped along together, and you followed. Yeah. You followed along as we like zoomed in yeah you guys were the, the speediest walkers i've ever seen it was like i was not prepared at that moment in the stariest of metros to be going for a run but i was i was going for a run and i was going if i lose dave now i've lost dave and i don't know if dave can make it home on his own yeah so like i need to keep an eye on dave because i think i'm the only one who has any money right now yeah um so so yeah we run, we we get to the uh, police station in mm -hmm. uh, you know the train station. In the train station, yeah. This is that happened at Gerlest, and uh, and of course, you know, like I am a realist. I I know that this is like all meaningless show. Even going to the police is meaningless show because, you know, what are they gonna do? <laughs> Go and round up all the pickpockets? No, they just you know they're gonna like take your information, put it in a like as soon as they left, they just took. What I gave them, and they put into a shredder, and then it went into a garbage can. Well, to me, I, I always wonder, like, but that is like clearly like everything is being videotaped in the in the mm -hmm. metro. So it's like if you went like, yeah, it happened at this time, we could yeah. at least watch it, or there's something, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
of like you can watch how the scam went down and know that you're not like nuts. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, no, no, Dave lost his wallet and <laughs> then excused this poor innocent soul, which again I'm going to get into in a bit. But but yeah, so you talked to. By the way, and both of the uh, both of the police officers you talked to were straight out of Judge Dredd. Like one guy just had a mohawk and a neck tattoo, and and you tried to talk to you were talking to him and saying like, listen, I know you can't do nothing, but you know if we need to go through this charade. Uh, let's do that. And he was like, "Well, we've got two guys. We're processing now. Yeah, but you can wait a half hour, or we'll, come back tomorrow. Yeah, we'll so. beat the hell out of them, and then we'll talk to you." I'm like, "Okay." We'll do. And also, the other problem was the guy who spoke English was was busy, and so then there, so uh, I was like, "Okay, that's that's fine. No, no problem. I'll come back later." Yeah. I ended up coming back in the morning, but um, yeah, I knew it was all, uh, you know. And then yeah, so then obviously so like depressed now because it's not that all of your fun hinges on having money but all of your like eating and like seeing places and like sort of like the ease of your trip it involves some money yeah, you've been assaulted like i know you're not no one punched you but yeah. like you've been assaulted oh yeah no you feel you've like you've been yeah. hurt yeah, uh, yeah. you were yeah. you know and uh you you and you shouldn't feel like you know it's my fault you shouldn't no, I don't think it's your fault at all. Oh, boy. Well, I was in on it, and you've been pranked with wallet scam. Um, no, it, it, the, the, I, I kept like saying to you, these guys are professionals. No, it was this is very, what nice they do. Just, very nice. Very nice. It is. That. This is what they do. Yeah, yeah. And they will do it more times today. Yeah. And, uh, okay, let me just say my bet on this sure, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not all about you. <laughs> no, it's no. All, also about the guy who was like standing nearby. Okay. So first time I ever went to New York City, uh, I, I came out of, you know, whatever, I know it was Grand Central, it was someplace, you know, it was whatever, a Port Authority. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, I, and I saw almost immediately a person uh, get pickpocketed, mm -hmm. but the person caught him in time, like he grabbed, grabbed his wrist. He was like, hey, you doing? I'm like, no, nothing. And I'm like, yeah, that. you ever steal my wallet? No, it wasn't. This guy thinks I'm stealing wallets. It's crazy. Look at this guy. Uh, accusing people of stealing wallets. How dare you, sir? I can't believe you. And it was like making this big production number. It was like, oh, okay. So clearly he was stealing a wallet. Yeah, yeah. Because no one who was accused of something, if I came up to you and just went, hey, you stole my wallet. Yeah. You would be like, what? You <laughs> yeah. took my wallet just now. No, yeah, I, yeah. I really didn't take your wallet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you lose your wallet just now? No, no, I did. Huh. Okay, well, look. And you might do the old thing that he was doing, which yeah, is yeah. just like, I haven't got... I might pull my pants off to show him. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. The guy did so much fucking theater. Yes. And, it's, and it is. Like, it's, it's clearly yeah. theater. Yeah. Like, so he's doing the, uh, the, the outrage, mm -hmm. and to the point where other people on the train are now approaching and going like, what happened? Did you say this? And I'm like, well, clearly you're in on this, yeah, or yeah. know how this works. Yeah, yeah. You know, because this is all bullshit as well. Sure. To, and it did culminate, and I was like, I am shocked he has not taken off his pants because that is the next stage, right? Like, because once you, he's taken off his pants, yeah. we're done. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't, we can't do anything. There's no. nothing. But that's the end of this fucking theatrical fucking performance. Yeah. Olivier, take your bow. That was, the, that was the Hamlet you've just done. So, yeah, yeah. When he's going, want to see my take my pants off? And I'm like, you've got underwear that are ready to go for this fucking shit. It was so clear you're, you're part of this crap. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we're having to play this game yeah but then the other part of it is yeah you and i are two rubes from canada <laughs> and should yeah. push come to shove 
he's bigger than us mm. and probably has friends here yeah. and this could turn violent so how far do we want to go with this yeah, yeah. you know because right now it's a wallet and it could be like an assault and you know what are we going to fucking do yeah yeah <sighs> so you know we're both being i thought we were both being calm of just like could you just give the wallet back yeah. Could you just give the wallet back? Yeah. Look, just give it back. Look, we're not making any... Well, I don't believe it. <laughs> but could you just give the wallet back? Oh, yeah. And of course, he's in French for the most part, yeah, except yeah. for when he's in English, yeah, which yeah. is, you know, part of the routine. <laughs> it's such a fucking... Like, it, like, okay. One, it's it hurts to be part of this fucking scam. Yeah. Being scammed. Yeah, yeah. And two, it, it it's insulting. <laughs> It's fucking insulting that you're doing this performance right now. Because this performance is shittier than you stealing the wallet. Yeah, that was done this, really well. Yeah, didn't, yeah, even, this didn't is, even feel it. Yeah, that's right. That was the classy fucking magic part. And then him going, look at my wallet. Yeah. I have it here. Yeah. And see, sir, it's not your wallet. How about my other pocket? There's nothing in it. Oh, sir, today, look, look at me. Look at my... Yeah. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. yeah, it was really, really annoying. Really, really annoying. And mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you felt shitty about it. Well, and I mean, yeah, of course. In the, you know, like credit cards and stuff like that, it was one thing. But my biggest, obviously, you know, well, here's a travel tip for people who, you know, like I have a hotel safe. I put my passport in there. Mm -hmm. Did I think to put my permanent resident card in there? No, I didn't. Now, what is a permanent resident card for people who don't? Oh, okay, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a legal alien in uh, Canada. Right. So I'm an American citizen. I have been an American citizen in Canada. For, I'm 56 years old. Right. Well, 56 and a half years old. So I've been a, a uh, citizen of, I've been an illegal, or e an legal alien in Canada yeah, for, 56 year years, right. for 56 it's years. For 56 years. It's going to be used in court. <laughs> and so... What, me? A citizen? How <laughs> oh, dare you, sir? I'm an illegal alien. Are you calling me, sir? Look at my pants. Let me take these down. Can't you see? My genitalia are clearly Canadian, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I hope it. It's probably going to come to this. Um, I, I like, by the way. I hope that he. I hope that he tries to win every argument by dropping. His <laughs> I want to go see. I want to see Crocodile D Dundee two. Dundee two. Dundee two. Crocodile Dundee two. Let me pull my pants down to make my point. <laughs> Why would you want to see Crocodile Dundee two? I don't know. What a weird reference. <laughs> That seemed like the most obscure from the eighties. Yeah, yeah. He was not born then. That's why he's so curious. He's never seen it. Everyone's like, "This no good." I have extra charges on my Blockbuster card, <laughs> sir. Look at me. Please examine my genitalia. So what I should have, okay, what what I think I, you know, when I, when I, in part of my, what I should have done is pretty much strip my wallet of everything. Yeah. Except for maybe my driver's license, which isn't that important. In the long, yeah. you know, it's not that hard to replace. If you have a, a passport, you can get a driver's Yeah. Uh, but your PR card shows that you're... It, oh, yeah, my PR card shows that I should be allowed into Canada. Okay. So without it, they can refuse entry. Uh, and so that's going to be tricky when I get to the airport in Vancouver. And this has happened before, but the first time it happened to me, I, I had absolutely no idea that this existed. <laughs> no one had informed us Americans, apparently that we needed PR cards until you landed the airport coming from Britain. Mm. And then the, a really angry customs guy is like, where's your card? And you're like, what card? Right. <laughs> I've never even, he's like, you know, I could t keep you out of Canada. I'm like, okay, but like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. You see, <laughs> that's how people react when something real happens. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of confusion because <laughs> yeah. you didn't expect this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah, that's real. Okay. <laughs> so, and you also don't want to like poke the bear. You you want to just kind of be, well, you could do that to me, but I do live here with my wife. And, and my children. <laughs> that's Yeah, now I live with my wife and my children, and I own a house. And I have a job I need to get back to on, on Monday. And also my wife and I are planning a getaway weekend uh, that starts today. Mm-hmm. I'll be saying to him on Friday. I've been doing a podcast for more than 10 years. <laughs> There's proof online that I... <laughs> so, so, yeah, what I should have done is... Uh, had one credit card on my wallet with mm-hmm. one piece of ID, and that's it. Yeah, everything else is is completely unnecessary. And in fact, what's most frustrating is that uh, a simple act of trying to use my phone to pay for something in Belgium that didn't work made me think that I couldn't tap here in Europe. Oh, but what the problem was is I cannot tap with my bank card. I can tap with my credit card. Oh, okay. And so knowing that now, mm-hmm. I would have just tapped at the restaurant, slipped my phone back into my front pocket, and no one would have been... I had a similar situation. <laughs> I thought, yeah, my bank card wasn't working, but my uh, my credit card, bank card was. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like, oh, all right. Yeah, it's just, uh, for whatever reason, I think... Oh, I don't even know if it works in England. I don't. I think it only works like a credit card, but mm-hmm. not as a tap. Uh, your bank card so but your cre- you can tap with with your credit card i've learned um so right now i'm playing a very tricky game because a credit card has possibly been stolen i don't want to say yes or no because yeah. it's a very gray area uh and i have it frozen in its app right now so no one can i can't use it any no one else can use it yeah but i have been known I did this yesterday, to temporarily unfreeze it, tap, and then freeze it again. Yeah. And I don't want to do that too much, of course, because I don't want to leave a window for for, yeah. for villains. But uh, right now it's still sitting frozen on my phone. I have not reported it stolen because it's kind of a gray area. Uh, we all I will acknowledge. And this is in no way is me admitting to any sort of criminal activity or using it credit card after it's been stolen um so yeah that's right. my one my one sort of lifeline right now of... right yeah you were not you were you were thinking like not even reporting this because it's just too much of a pain in the ass and won't do anything but, yeah you know uh I, my suggestion was like you should just have a record of mm-hmm. this for all of this that you're going to be telling the you know the border person was like sure i have here's when i got robbed yeah. here's the thing mm-hmm. your story seems to check out <laughs> i mean i honestly i i have a, another relative who has that similar situation and her advice or what she went through was using a, a, a copy of it just mm. prove you know because when she lost it you know a copy of it well that's enough that's a question lisa asked me actually was didn't you photocopy all your documents before you left I was like, no, I didn't know that was a thing. So that's something that she's done in the past. I didn't, I right. didn't know that. So you don't have a photocopy of your... I don't have a photocopy of my, my, okay. my PR card, no. I have a photo of my old PR card. Okay. But I don't have one of my current one, unfortunately. Okay. Well. So that kind of sucks. It but... sucks, but again, it feels like a legitimate story. Yeah. You know, the, uh, if you were running a scam, you would be a lot smoother <laughs> than this. And as we've established, your pants would be around right <laughs> in the in the in, at the uh, border checkup. So yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about that part of it. But 
Oh well. Mm-hmm. The other thing, the other thing is, yeah, I'm glad I ha- so I did go and report it today. And you lost some Canadian money as well. I lost some Canadian money as well. Yeah, I lost about 110 dollars or something. Yeah, I wanted to just like go around some bureau de changes <laughs> and like just be hanging out and just be like, so. Did you get any um, specific, you know, because yes, it's part of part of the fantasy. Um, but the, the interesting thing is, of course, is that when you tell people what's happened, you know, whether it's the police or other people on this, this metro or the hotel clerk, uh, you get this look that's both a look of sympathy and also, oh, you idiot. So it's kind of an interesting you know, they're going to give you a look of like, oh, that's, that's too bad. That's, that's too bad. But, you know, <laughs> you left yourself open. So what do you think is going to yeah, happen? Yeah, it's nice to get that you would, <laughs> you know, you were asking for it fucking shit. Yeah. But oh well. Uh, yeah. And you want to like say to them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you take care of fucking pickpocketers? Because <laughs> it seems to be something that's happening to mm-hmm. the point where you go, I know it happens so much. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've got a follow up question on that. What are you doing about that? Well, what can you do? Okay, I've got one more follow-up question for that. Uh, yeah, what can you do? You know? Yeah, it's interesting. Because I mean, it feels like to it feels like to me, you know. Uh, again, the technology is there. Of like, we have recordings of everything that's going on in there. Mm-hmm. Someone goes, "Hi, my, I was just pickpocketed." Yeah. Oh, were you? When? This time. Mm-hmm. Let's look at that. Okay, yes, you were. If nothing else, you've now got a video of you being pickpocketed. Like, it just reminds me of, like, recently we got uh, a hit and run at a McDonald's drive-thru. Okay. And, you know, she took off, the the driver, and we went like, oh, wait, this is a McDonald's drive-thru. There's, there's a recording of this. Yeah. And we went in, and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess there is. Yeah, can we have a copy of that? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> can we do that? Yeah. And they actually got kind of excited about doing that, mm-hmm. and they found it, and we got the footage, and they gave it to us almost immediately, like on uh, like email. Mm. I was like, "Oh, great!" So we're taking this to ICBC, which is you know, and just yeah, like yeah. here, here's proof of everything that just went through. Yeah. If nothing else, you've got that, and if nothing else, you would have the satisfaction of going, "Oh, here's how that scam went down because yeah. it was a fucking scam." Yeah, you know? yeah. Because the problem with uh, a rear ender where no one's a witness is that person can claim that you backed into them. Yeah. So it's good to have. It's good to have. And in this, in this case, you know, there was that thing. Of, and if like, if you were just a, you know, a solo guy, you know, you happen to have a friend with you as well, mm-hmm. you know, who was there kind of backing, backing you. I was trying to back you up at least <laughs> yeah. to the point of like us not getting into a fight with like what seemed to be like helpful people around us that I wasn't sure were helpful people, yeah. but might have been part of the situation. Or just people who wanted the Metro to go because they want to go. You no, know, but there was people who joined us oh, okay. on our journey to oh, the yeah. police station. Yeah. I'm like, so either this fellow is just a good citizen mm-hmm. or he's part of the thing mm-hmm. and trying to let him know what happened with the thing and if any information went through or whatever. But yeah, he yeah. could be a danger. He could be a help. Mm-hmm. I don't know at this point. Yeah. But if you were just a guy, one guy, mm-hmm. you would not feel comfortable probably confronting a group of people, which is what you were dealing with at that time, mm-hmm. and you would have gone, well, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. i got to back away because I'm in danger <laughs> now. I've gone from frustration to anger to, to danger. I should back away because mm-hmm. there's an intimidation factor that's definitely there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I felt, look, I don't know if I felt danger. I felt just more like, ugh, this, this is not going to do anything. So right. just sort of whatever that word is. I can't think of it now, but just the... 
the whole futility of it all. The futility of life, not not life, but yeah. just the futility of that moment of, you know, I can accuse this guy up and down, but, you know, it's just... Well, you he said, were, he said, he I said. I mean, to me, yeah, it was, it was less you accusing and him going into his one-man show <laughs> called The Most Innocent Man in the World. <laughs> he's taking it to which the, is getting one star He's taking it to Edinburgh. Yeah, he's taking it for Edinburgh. <laughs> he's going to gonna expand it. His dad's going to die at the 40-minute mark. <laughs> and he's going to... I didn't kill him. Did you think I killed him? Let me take my pants down. Would a, would a murderer have this kind of ass? Like, I don't know. I fucking know. But yeah, there's... When he took his pant down, pants down, it brought tears to my eyes. The Edinburgh Observer. Right. So, I mean, there was a... You know, a, how, how, can you believe this guy accusing me? Yeah. How shameful. How shameful that he is accusing me. Mm. Uh, yeah, he's guilty as fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, I mean, we also used to have that situation where there was like, uh, some, uh, lots of little scams that would go on around in Vancouver where someone would be like, uh, oh, hey, uh, I, I just got in on the bus and, uh, and I lost my blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I need my blue, blue, blue and a gobbledy boo, ba, boo. And so if you could just <laughs> give me some money, I'll get it back to you. Yeah. And you go like, no, oh, why not? Because this is a scam. Yeah, yeah. And if you said it was a scam, oh, the outrage. <laughs> the outrage. How dare you? How dare you accuse me? Oh, really? Because you seemed real humble yeah. just a couple of seconds ago about you screwing up and doing a, and fucking up yeah. and losing your car key or whatever the shit the fucking thing was. I don't even know if you can remember this story. Yeah, yeah. But like real people who are in pro having problems... Do not get outraged immediately afterwards about being accused of running a scam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They go, no, I, I look, this. I'm telling you, this is not a scam. Yeah. But I understand why you think it's a scam. Fair enough. I'm just going to talk to someone else because it always starts with, uh, listen, I'm not a bum. Yeah. Well, hey, guess what? People who are having problems don't say. <laughs> they don't say that. You know, you've just told me this is uh, scams are coming. All the scam trains are coming. Yeah. Coming down the track. My my favorite version of that is I was walking through Vancouver one time and this guy came up and he was giving me a, yeah, a sob story. His wife was in North Vancouver at the sure. hospital giving birth to a baby. Sure, sure. He needed a bus fare to get there. Right, that's how it works. Blah, blah, blah. He was on roller skates. <laughs> Why? Why are you on roller skates? Like, were you roller skating? And then... You got a phone call at a payphone because this is well before cell phones. Yeah, sure. You got a phone call. Your wife's in labor. Skate over here. I won't have time. I gotta, I gotta get on the bus. I better find. She's some... giving birth to a roller baby. Oh, it's just, it's just so so weird. Like because, you automatically because... seem like a nut. Like why are you like? I know you want to just take them aside and just go. Okay, I know when you started doing this scam, you weren't wearing roller <laughs> you skates. Wearing roller skates. <laughs> Forgot <laughs> that you're wearing roller skates. Were you dressed as a bear then? No. Okay. Because there's another part to the story. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there used to be a guy who who worked the parking lot by the Bayshore, as well. When it was a surface lot, uh, and I would see him out there talking to tourists. So I lock my booth up, walk over, say, "This guy's a liar. <laughs> Get out of here." Yeah. With the same effect. What? Exactly. And you almost want to like give tips. Yeah. Of just like, okay, I'm really mad at you. I hate that you stole my friend's uh, wallet. Uh, and uh, But I'm also an acting coach. So I've got to say, your motivation is all over the map. Are you 
angry. <laughs> that it, are you going like a racial thing here? Yeah. Like it's like how dare this man accuse me? Yeah. Okay, you know because that could be, but you're gonna have so, to like uh, accentuate that element, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're probably gonna have to not drop the pants. <laughs> like I know you want to drop the pants. It's the closing bit. It's the aristocrats. I understand, <laughs> but you gotta like look at first like confused like yeah. what's going on? How, how, how? What are you accusing me of? Oh, I'm sorry. I, or, or you could also. Here's a fun thing. We're in France. Yeah. Pretend you don't know English. Mm. There's another way to go. Just like, pardon. Like, uh, my wallet. Uh, wallet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am uh, a simple professor of mathematics. <laughs> I do not speak the English. You know, you could go that route. Yeah. And that. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like this morning, I go to the police station, and I, same thing. I said, "Oh, my wallet was stolen." He's like, "Oh, not not uh, good English. Your." I'm like, my wallet, my, uh, oh, I got to pull this word out of the old vocab, which I know, but how do you pronounce a word that's P-O-R-T-E-F-I-E-U-L-L-E? Help me. So I'm like, my portfolio? Yeah. Listen, <laughs> let's, let's be fair to that police officer. Yeah. He was in a train station. <laughs> he was in a train He's station. He's not used to having people speak other languages. <laughs> And also, it's a real obscure thing. Like, why would a police officer mm-hmm. know the word wallet? <laughs> especially when it says so on there. Especially when... It's on their paperwork. Yeah, especially uh, yeah, especially when there's pickpockets everywhere. Mm. You were probably the first person to ever come up to him and say, my wallet was stolen. What? And he went, pourquoi? <laughs> he, he immediately went, what at this station? I, I can't believe it. He pulled his gun out. He says, I... Here's my flashlight, my gun. I have all these things to protect you. There's no way this could happen. Let me pull down my pants and show you. I don't have any more guns or anything else that would help. And then you see, yeah. you have a gun up your butt. Like, okay. Well, that one's for luck. That's my wife's. That's, yeah, that's my wife. Wife's. Oh, okay. I was like, the gun is his wife in this scenario. <laughs> Sorry if I, I, do like, sorry I, I do, swallowed the S. From the old... French farce, <laughs> the gun is my wife. <laughs> He's in love with his gun. Don't you know they'll play the jail cage? <laughs> exactly. It's just like, oh boy. Like this should, like you should just have a McDonald's like screen of just like if you know uh, turn to English and just like push one for you know, I was pickpocketed. Yeah. Would you like us to do fuck all? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, fuck all has been done. Yeah. Please leave now. Yeah. Au revoir. Which, by the way, is like a, a an idiom as well. So it's like tirer à la vol or something like that. No, that wouldn't be right. À la vol. Anyway, something, some kind of like little, because they had they had like pickpocket and then they had French beside it. I guess that was for the person who was doing the paperwork to look at it and go, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> pickpocket. All right. Uh, yeah. So I mean, pickpocket was also an idiom. So yeah, the one kind of bright spot of this, like. You know, you were like really bummed out about this. I was feeling terrible about it. And I said to you, uh, this will be great for the podcast, though. It's <laughs> better said, than that hanging out in the laundromat, <laughs> stopping the elderly from sitting down shit. I said, grist for the mill. Yeah. I'm for it. I'm all for it. Boo. Besides me getting kicked out of Canada, I'm all for it. No, no. You're not going to get kicked out of uh, Canada. And just on a completely other note, uh, we are a Patreon podcast, meaning... If you want to uh, throw any money uh, to our Patreon account, uh, there's a button on the website sneakydragon.com or go to patreon.com slash sneakydragon and go like, oh, I feel bad about Dave. 
couple of bucks. A couple of bucks. <laughs> so, um, unfortunately, uh, yeah, then the, the guy then takes all the money because he hit, does have our password. No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was that my own problem is my list of passwords to keep my wallet. Yeah, it has made it weird taking the, the metro now. You just feel like, no, oh, I just have this lack of trust. Yeah. You know, it's just like. Worse than that. Lack of trust of black people. I hate to say that, but now that they, when they walk by, I'm like, are you a potential pickpocket? All right, <laughs> I, I don't like have that. I just feel like a jerk now. That. Yeah, like I'm looking at people and going, I know you're just going to work. Sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. Oh, I can't. Why am I thinking these things? Yeah. It and was... even when I went to the station, I saw a guy and I'm like, that looks kind of like the guy <laughs> who was the front man or whatever he was. Yeah, that's, uh, it was, it was a, uh, okay. So, it is a blecky. It's a all black around. You, you just <laughs> like I, like last night. I came back. Okay, you're saying black, right? Black. Yeah. Black all right. Around, let's, yeah. let's not make it sound like you're doing a racial. Oh, no, I was not. I'm just making something not, up there. I'm not trying to be. Ra- I'm not trying to be racist. I just no, you know, no. Just, I, I understand. Like, like I, you know, I know that, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of people in in Paris are honest. Obviously, they'll work. Yeah, you just have jobs, found some people who were doing a scam. Like you say, they're professionals. A blamo scammo. Yeah, they're professionals, yeah. and they know how to they know how to t- take advantage of poor lost sheep like myself. Right. So yeah, so I came home last night, and then I just basically laid down. I couldn't sleep, of course. I was reading. I finished reading. Um, well, got through a lot of uh, Jane Eyre, which I started on my beginning of my trip, and. I was just reading it, and at some point, you know, you'd be reading for a while, then you'd be like, you'd sort of drift, your mind would sort of drifting off into this sort of like, what if the guy had done this and I had done that, or yeah. I should have blah, blah, blah. Because my, my main should have is, I should have put my wallet in my bag. That was the real stupid thing I did. Everything else, there's not, not much you can do about it, you know. But you just go through these scenarios, like sort of revenge fantasies or whatever. Yeah. And then, And then at some point last night, I was like, I actually just kind of reached like an emotional point where it's just like, okay, this is enough. Like enough, enough of this. I gotta forgive these guys. I don't like what they did to me, but I can't like carry this anger. So I'm just gonna like feel sorry for them. Yeah. Because they are lost people that you know that have terrible lives, and you know just you know there's nothing good about what they do or where they are in their lives so i feel sorry for them and yeah this is not going to end well it's, for him. it's not it's not me it's them so uh yeah so i just kind of pushed it aside and kind of just and you you know not to say that you know i completely did because i still would occasionally like revert, revert sure, to yeah, bad yeah. thoughts again and just be like that's no, how forgiveness works let's it's get like, these yeah. negative things out of me and uh yeah, i finally drifted off to sleep about two in the morning and woke up in the morning and felt better. I mean, I'm still, you know, mad at myself and mad at what happened, but there's not much I can do. I went to the Canadian consulate and it's weird because to me, I know I'm an American citizen, but I live in Canada. I've lived there a long time. I paid all my taxes I've ever made to Canada. Right. But because I'm not a Canadian citizen, there's nothing that they can do for me. So they're just kind of like, sorry. You're like, okay. And then there's a visa place you can go to and apply there for a temporary PR card. It's $50, blah, blah, blah. Then you're like, okay. So then 
you know, I guess I'll go to the visa place and talk to them about this. And then you go there, and then they're like, do you have an appointment? And you're like, oh, I wasn't told they need an appointment. I just thought I'd drop in and see what I could do, because I'm only, only here for two days, two days more. And they're like, mm-hmm. not even two days, really. I'm only here for one more day. I'm leaving Friday. Right. I have to get up at five and be on, be on the train at six. So I'm really like, there's not, I have one day. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, normally what we do is you fill out a form, you hand in your passport to us. Then that's sent to the consulate, and then it all comes back again, and you get your you get your permission. I'm like, well, that's not gonna work. And she's like, she kind of gives me like the shrug, like, what can you do? And I'm like, I guess I'll take my chances. And she said, I guess you will. She said, sorry, I can't be more help. And I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. Yeah, I'm fine. It's all right. I'll just take the bus back again. So I got on the bus, came back. We had a good dinner or a good lunch anyway. Yeah. That was nice by Sacre Coeur. Uh, apparently, a place that French people don't like, Parisians don't like Sacre Coeur. Because? Uh, because it was kind of a, a uh, attempt to rehabilitate the crimes of the Paris Commune. Yeah. Which not all Parisians think the Paris Commune was like a criminal enterprise okay. or whatever happened there. Which I'm not too familiar with the history of the Paris Commune. I should have looked that up, actually. I am not at all. No, no. It's a part of... Uh, I know a little bit of Paris history. I mean, I read Tale of Two Cities. Oh, there you go. I read Le Vendée. Yeah. I, I, like heard, how I, I heard books it was are... like the best of times. Don't tell me anymore. I don't want to spoil <laughs> it. is the best of times. I like how both examples I have of, is both by British authors. By the way, this trip was kind of like the uh, best of times or worst of times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we had a great time in Belgium. We had an overall great time in Paris. Let me let me also say, I'm sorry to you know uh, derail you a little bit. Yeah. There's a little something that was missing there. We're like, uh, so so you uh, canceled your cards and mm-hmm. did all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then uh, we were on a, our way to uh, a used bookstore. Yes. Uh, at the time, we'd gone to another bookstore the night before, and they went, uh, and you were asking for certain things, and uh, they were like, no, but. Uh, we have another store, yeah. and this might be up more up your alley. Yeah, this this store is more concentrates more on the yeah. vintage. And sir, could you so. just leave because I would like to close? Like, <laughs> I understand. Um, here's your hat, and what's your hurry? Mm. Uh, and so the next day, yeah, we, after you're going all through this stuff, I was like, we got to go to that bookstore. Store. Yes. And you went, yes, it would just be heartbreaking if we didn't. Yes, we're going to do that. So we, so we found our way to the bookstore yeah and I, and I and one of the things I wanted to do uh, on this trip was to take you to this uh, district there was all these uh, comics stores yeah and uh, I was like okay we're gonna set a time aside for that mm-hmm. and then when we got to that area I looked across the street and I'm like this looks really familiar <laughs> yeah you said that when we were walking towards yeah you. I was like this looks real familiar yeah. and and it was uh, a comic store that sold English comics that my wife Pia had some yeah. done a well, American American comics. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry about that. You're right. Uh, yeah, the hell with the British comics. <laughs> Let's just say they this. had some dredge. F- f- there. Fuck the British is what I say. <laughs> I've been in Paris a little while, and I think fuck the British. Um. Anyway, he good. pulled his pants down. Everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got a gun up my ass. Why? It's my wife. Speaking of my wife, my wife did a signing. Yes. At this uh, store with uh, uh, Brian Vaughn for their book, Why, yeah. like many yeah. years ago. And it was, it was just like this great area with all this stuff. And But one of the things, when we were there, we passed by a uh, store that was just full of 
all this Tintin tin things. Mm, mm. And we thought, like, you know who would love this? Yeah. Dave. Oh. Dave who? Dave, the guy with the <laughs> wallet in the back of his uh, pants. <laughs> oh, so, that idiot. So, uh, so, so, yeah, we, were, we went to the American comic store. Mm-hmm. And, first of all, we went to the first, the first place. We went to the Paloom 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 or Paloom Laboom. I can't remember what it's called. Paloom 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 Yeah, it's a kind of odd But a very small... Yeah. But it had like a pretty, like a lot of people came in. Through, yeah, yeah. You were doing your searchy searchy. Yeah. Uh, I, I bought like a weird Spider-Man book. <laughs> uh, and um, and th- so so then we crossed the street and I went like, you know, if I'm right, mm-hmm. the Tintin place should be right across the street. Yeah. Well, there was at least three Tintin places there right was, across well, the street. three like kind of vintage. Yeah. One, one new store. Yeah. And then two absolute vintage. Yeah. One vintage. was... You know, uh, one yeah, one was just like we carry collectibles and just collectibles. <laughs> yeah. This is all we carry. And the one guy was like, and the other guy was like sitting on a stool. Oh, if you try to steal stuff, I will fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a kind of odd story because it was one of those stories where, you know, they should be like, yes, we have too much stock because we are piling stuff on top of other stuff. Yes, and you know, you have to look and find things, and there's stuff in front of things you're looking at, and. And so I, you know, I like to, I don't like to go into stores right away and bother the, the clerk. I kind of yeah. want to be self-sufficient and, and look around. So, you know, I look through all their stuff. I, you know, I'm like. It was one of those stores too, where the two of us entered it and now it's crowded. <laughs> That's right. Because there's two guys working in it. Yeah. A store the size, literally smaller than the room we're sitting in now. Yeah. And, which is a hotel room, everyone. So, you know what we're talking about. And then, uh. You know, yeah, so I'm like I'm moving books out of the way and I'm looking through boxes and put, piling them back on, trying to keep it neat in quotation marks. And finally, you're, you're kind of cleaning the place. Right? <laughs> doing a good job. And, and so what I'm looking for, so when I was, I don't know, this is probably about 20 years ago, I was at a belly village and I found this Spiru collection. Mm-hmm. And if when you look inside it, it feels like Spiru took like, like they printed a lot of what is Spiru? Spiru was a was a I think it was a twice like a twice monthly or bi monthly comic magazine, and so it would have like three to four pages of comic of different stories. So it'd have four pages of a story, then the next issue would have four pages more. It might even have been weekly. Okay, I think it was weekly actually. So no, it couldn't have been weekly. That's quite a. I don't know. I'm gonna look this up while you're telling your story. Go ahead. Yeah, see if it was weekly or not. But that seems because it feels like three pages of, well, I guess three pages a week isn't crazy. But uh, but um, they uh, they published weekly and they would publish these stories in this way. And so I guess they took unsold issues at some point in the year and they just bound them into these annuals. They called mm. them well, not even annuals. They're like Spiru. I don't know what they call them. They have so many. But anyway, and they. Um, and I found this one of these the first time. It was like three dollars because weekly. It was weekly. Oh, okay, wow. So, so it it um, it was really cheap because it's a French book mm-hmm. in Vancouver. Yeah, it's still it's still being published. Wow, really? Yeah, it's from nineteen thirty eight to the present. It's been published cool, weekly. Cool. Well, it's amazing they're still around because I think everyone every other one is gone now. Like Tintin magazine is gone and P Lobed is gone. We haven't been to a modern magazine store yet. No, we haven't. So yeah, that's one thing to do. I mean, there's magazine kiosks around. I guess I could look and see. Yeah, but like a proper magazine store with lots of magazines. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, um, 
and so yeah, so I found this collection, and, and I just loved the stories in it. I just loved all the stories, and so, and one of them was this story. Uh, it's purportedly by Peo. He may have written this. The who was best known as a creator of of the Smurfs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but probably better. I mean, those are well known. But he also did Johann and Pierre Louis, which is a much loved uh, uh, couple of characters. And then he did a character called Benoit Brissifet, in French anyway, who's a, a young young boy who is. Very strong, unless he gets a cold. As soon as he gets a runny nose, he is as weak as a baby. And so he did like, you know, like all these have like several. And but the problem is, is that for Peo anyway, was that when the Smurfs became such a giant hit, and cartoons and stuff, like animated cartoons started to be made of them here in Bel- in Bel- or there in Belgium, he pretty much stopped drawing, and just became sort of like a an an executive of the Peo brand. And he would still create characters, though, because he still loved comics. So he created these two characters called Jackie and Celestin, who are two guys who, but they're like teenagers, who have these kind of all-ages adventures, as you've described. <laughs> and I really enjoyed those stories. But And what's weird is, okay, I found one of those Spiro books, and then a while later I found another Spiro book of the same vintage. But it was like... Maybe two, maybe one album or two albums apart. Hmm. So I, I was missing those pages of oh. the story, and so and I so I could never and, and anyway I didn't have a complete run anyway, and so I never knew how they ended. So I've always wanted to to buy one of those or you know find those books, and so that was basically what I was looking for when I came here was uh, wanted to find Jack and Celestin. That's kind of my my white elephant. No, is that a white? Is that a word? My white whale? Yeah, my yeah. white whale, and. A white elephant sale. Yeah, a white elephant sale, which yeah, was that's what my wife will be having of these books when I pass away. <laughs> no one wants them. Here's some books for you. Uh, and so uh, that first first store, the one we went to the night before, I asked, of course, and that's when they recommended that I come go to the other other store where they had more of selection of that sort. And then I asked at that store after I searched through it, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't. And so then we went across the street and we were looking at the American comic store. Yeah. Which was interesting because there was a mix of French, like graphic novels, not sorry, American, French translations, graphic yes. novels, but also brand new issues of comics that were not translated. Right. So it it was kind of interesting that way. They don't bother to translate the floppies, but they'll when they print the collections, then they do translations. Because yes. they had Saga there in French, and they had some other. Collections. Oh, did they have Saga? Yeah. 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 Pia wanted me to get Saga, and I didn't know that they had that. There. But in French. Oh, okay. Uh, she's been learning French. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so then, uh, then we went from there. And then we, of course, we walked across the street to the uh, that other one with the two guys, um, and that one seemed shifty and nifty. It did seem shifty and swifty. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of like uh, autographs and stuff, and you're like, hmm. yeah, it no, seemed I'm sure a, these are autographs. I it see yeah, it seemed a little more. It seemed a little less. We love comics more. Like this is a good opportunity to yeah. exploit. And they, so those $3 uh, Spiru annuals that I have, uh, they have ones there, they're 80, 80 euros mm-hmm. for those ones. So they are, they've obviously taken on some value over time. Mm-hmm. So I should have brought mine with me, sold it there. Just kidding. Value Village very rarely knows what they've got the value. I mean, that'd be a tough thing. For well, they couldn't, even, yeah, they couldn't sell it for 80 Eighty dollars in, in the Valley Village? No, they couldn't. Yeah, but like they wouldn't even know. There'd be nothing you could look up and yeah. go like, "What's yeah. the what's yeah. the value of this?" Yeah. Well, it's not the, it's well, this not guy the... seemed to know. He went right to because when I was asking about the Jackie and mm-hmm. Celestin, he's like, "Oh, you're looking for a, 
uh, first printing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, not necessarily. I'm, I'm more of a reader than a collector. And he goes, oh, but these are all collectibles here. you know. Like, yes, these are collectibles. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but, but they were readables once. Yeah, they also are readables. Yeah. Because I'm going to be taking them out of the plastic. And I know, and you also kind of want to say, then take better care of them. Because <laughs> there's a lot of shit stacked up here. <laughs> like you're an angry loner, but okay. Anyway, so, I'll leave you to your manifesto you want to finish <laughs> So then we went, we went down the street, we found another little shop. Yeah. Which was kind of like a... A homey little uh, used store, you know, like it has that feeling of like, although the guy who worked there, I don't think cared much about the books, but you know, he's had yeah. a job. He has a job. Job's a job. Yeah. But, um, and so I asked him, I said, I looked everywhere, I thought, <clears throat> and then he's like, um, I found a couple of books I was going to buy, but these were the Dupuis Integrals that I love so much. One was a Lombard one, but these are those collections I always love. And they were quite reasonable, very reasonable. And, but then I, had they to are ask not for collectors. <laughs> These are for readers. Uh, so then I just said, oh, would you happen to have any Jackie and Celestin here? And, and this guy didn't, didn't correct me as well. The other guy corrected me. He's like, Jackie and Celestine? I'm like, is it Jackie and Celestine? I don't know. I don't think so. But he's like, oh, Jackie and Celestine. Yeah, yeah. And then, then, he, then, he, then he looked it up and he goes, oh, he made me look it up. <laughs> right? He made me look it up. So you get like the example of the cover, and then I showed it to him, and he goes, "Oh, it is Jack and Celestin. You're right. You know, yes. <laughs> I can pronounce some French, not just not wallet." But then he, uh, then the other guy, he phones his boss, I guess. He's like, "Oh, blah blah yeah. blah, Jack and Celestin." And then the boss says, "Oh yeah, that's such and such. Go over there." And so he went down to a place. Like, it didn't occur to me to look in. I don't know why. Uh, there's just so much stuff there. And then he found two. Yeah. To check and sell a stand. So I bought them both. I had to return one of my, because at this point, Ian was paying for me. And I, yeah. I felt too guilty to be buying. Let me just buy everything in the store. It's but, fine. It's, but you're me, not going to be back here for a while. Get, get the things. But let me yeah. just say that uh, I always say, like, if I won the lottery, like I won a lot, won a, won a lot of money in the lottery, I wouldn't spend a lot of money because I don't want a lot of stuff. But I would, probably would want to come back and buy a bunch of those Spiru collections, let me tell you. They're so great. Because they're like the whole magazine. Yeah. It's not like, because when, when you buy like a, uh, an annual, or not an annual, but you buy like the book version of it or those integrals, uh, you're not getting all the ads and the prizes sure, and all that sure, kind of yeah. stuff. That's the, also the fun thing. to see the ads for the, the motorized bicycles that people ride Well, there was a the fun thing too. To yeah. It's like, I did like that he called his boss. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't just, Ugh. you know, <laughs> no. It was like he called his money, he cared, you know, yeah, yeah, he cared yeah. and, uh, and, 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 you know, made a sale and that was good. Yeah. But yeah, they had all this little extra side things. Like there was one, uh, thing that is, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the black Smurfs, which it got translated to the purple Smurfs. Yes. Uh, but in, they in had America. like a little mini, mini comic that I was asking you about. Yeah. You were saying how this was like something that was in the magazine. Yeah. It came <laughs> as a, as an insert. Yeah. And then you, uh, cut it as kids would cut them out. Yeah. And then put them together and staple them together. And this from the 50s. Yeah, it was really neat. And then you had your mini Smurfs collection. That's how the Smurfs were first published. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they were published as these little mini... Wow, those are like Smurfs mini books. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because the Smurfs first appeared in um, the Johanna Pierre-Louis story. The, the was originally called The Flute with Six Holes. But then when it was republished, it was called The Flute with Six Smurfs. <laughs> and so then... Um, and then uh, the editor 
of Spiru, a guy named Ivan Delport, he's like, this is money. These are money. Like, you need to do something yeah. with these Smurfs or Strumps. And Peo's kind of like, I, I don't really. And like, no, no, we're going to do something. So Delport wrote a couple of stories and then, and then, uh, oh, cool. And then Peo illustrated them. And then they published them that way, make kind of special. And that's how they introduced them, yeah. And the rest is history. The rest is very much history. The rest is... And even, it's sort of interesting, because um, Peo didn't even like how he started to draw later on. Like, he went to re start working on Johanna Pierre-Louis again, and he just felt like he had been poisoned by the Smurfs. Ah. Like, he couldn't not draw cute. Yeah. Which he didn't think of as Johanna Pierre-Louis as, like, a cute strip. It, And suddenly he's drawing these kind of uh, squatter... More cute characters. Sure, sure. Like, the, like before, or Johan was kind of a taller. He's supposed to be like a knight, a page, like a king's page or whatever. And, and yeah, he was a bit more rangy, a bit ganglier. And then when he started drawing him post Smurf, suddenly he's a little bit squatter, a little, little thicker, a little yeah. cuter. You know, sort of poisoned his. Sounds like style. he's got a little, uh, little the old Charles Schultz in him. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like Snoopy starts off looking like a realistic dog. Yeah, and by the end, it's like just this freaky. <laughs> but that was an intent. Mm. That was an intentional change, not an accidental change for, for for Schultz. Fair enough. He just decided that it didn't work. Like the jokes didn't work having a three dimensional world. Yeah, you have to make it two dimensional. Yeah. Uh, and there was a couple other, we didn't even go into like the manga stories that were, that were there. Yeah. And then, you know, we're like, well, this well I can't a, read Japanese. This was a, yeah, this was a, I was, a, and the first one I was like, this doesn't really feel like the Tintin story that I remember, but mm -hmm. it clearly was because it's all this Tintin stuff. Yeah. Then we go to another one. Oh wait, this must've been the Tintin store or was it? <laughs> but it must be, there can't be two Tintin stores. Yeah. And then we're walking back. You know, and you're going, okay, I can't spend any more. We got to just go. We got to get to the train. We just got to get back because this is just too yeah. tempting. And we're like, wait a minute. And then there's the classic Tintin store. Yeah, that was a very nice store. That was, it was a really nice store. It was like, a band dessinée store, but but like a, cla a classy band dessinée store. boy. Like they had a thing in the back that was a Playmobil set mm. that was, uh, they had two. One, when I looked at the first one, and it was um, an asterisk. They were both asterisks. Mm -hmm. But one was asterisks, and it was like uh, just like all of like the warriors, you know, around a table yeah. having a feast of boar. Yeah, like, the, the end of the story banquet. That's at the end of every no, story. Oh, it wasn't? No, it was just, it was like just the just the, the, the feast. Oh, okay. Like just them having a feast. Yeah, yeah. Next to it oh. was the end of the oh, okay, banquet. Okay. It was even more, which had the buildings. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it had the must have had, Must have had cacophonics yes. hanging, hanging above. For, <laughs> hanging above, like uh, un, unable to play his music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just the, like, oh my God. Like, there's no way I could buy it mm. and bring it. Like, one, too expensive. Mm -hmm. And also, I'm not flying with that thing. But but just knowing that it exists was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. so cool. I took, I, I showed it to you. Yeah. We both giggled. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, you yeah. bought, uh, you bought, what did you buy there? The... Well, that, because that was one of the funny things that happened when we were in, in uh, Belgium was uh, when I was in Brussels, I went to the Cartoon Museum, and which was Fine. It was fine. It was a fine museum. Yeah. It was a fine museum. Unfortunately, I then went to the Hergé Museum, and it was kind of like, what cartoon museum that existed? <laughs> but when I was there, I was in the bookstore, and I was looking at their Tintin stuff, and they had a Josette and Jocko story that was never translated into English, because the Josette and Jockos I have are all translations. Right. And that would be Belly of the Cobras, um, Mr. Pump's Legacy, and 
Des uh, Destination New York or some kind of name like that. So then there was two other books that weren't translated. So I found book. I found book uh, one there at the at this okay. store, but they didn't have two book two because there's two books of this overarching story called The Invisible Ray. And so I was like, well, I'm going to the Hergé Museum tomorrow. They're going to have a ton of books there. And I'm going to find both Josette and Jocko books there. And, or jo Josette, yeah. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll buy them there. So we go to the Hergé Museum. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> Excuse me, boy. Greatest thing in my life. <laughs> Not the greatest, but you know. Great moment in my yeah, life. You've had children. I've had children. And I've been, been married. <laughs> Those are also great. But it was a great moment for me. We, we had like some good podcasts too. What? And so then, <laughs> so then I, uh, I um, go to go to the books and look, and they just had the second book. Mm. So the other store had the first book, or the other way around. I can't remember now exactly, but and I was just like, well, I'm gonna buy something here, so I'm gonna buy this single book, and tomorrow. When I leave Brussels in the mor in the morning, I'm going to uh, go to the cartoon museum, pick up that other book, and then I'll have the whole set. Perfect Great plan. Great plan. Perfect plan. Yeah. Except for the fact that what I didn't expect was that I would wake up on in the that I would drive the car back at night because everyone was like, "Oh, finding parking in uh, Brussels, you know, so hard at night and it's very dangerous there and blah blah blah." And you're like, "Oh no, okay. Well then." Um, I better, uh, I better just park the car at the rental place, and then I'll sure. go back in the morning, and pretend like I'm getting out of it. Oh, I just parked it. No, I didn't do that. But I, I just, uh, you know, go back in the morning and, and return it, forgetting that I have my stupid giant suitcase that I have to lug around. So I had to lug that from the hotel up to the tram line, and also got lost because I was not following the steps properly because I was carrying all the stuff in my hands and. And I was like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Where am I? Well, I gotta walk up this street and then go back over here. And then, I'll, oh boy, I did find my way there eventually. But yeah, I got, got on the tram. Then I had to drag that suitcase from the tram line up to the rental place. And and uh, that, you know, it's just like, ugh. So then, and then bring it back down from the, the rental place after I returned the car and then back down to the tram again. And wow. by that point, I was like, F this bag. I'm just gonna go straight from here to uh, straight from here to, to to Ghent. So I just got to the you know took the tram to the train station, got on the train station, left uh, left the, left the city. And so when we were at that nice bookstore, that really nice like new kind of bookstore yeah. that had a super great collection a collection of stuff or a selection of stuff, uh, I found the missing Joe's that and Jocko book there. So I bought that. So that was very good. And then I bought the other one, that um, character whose name has now escaped me. I said, it's uh, by a Dutch cartoonist. Okay. And I'm going to just make some rustling noises. Oh, yeah. Fr Franca. Franca. It just looked really appealing. I've seen drawings from it, but I've never seen the book itself. So, cool. so I bought that there as well. Excellent. So yeah, that was at least that took some of the pain away of the, yeah. you know. No, that was uh, that was a nice part of the the night. And, yeah. uh, and again, that most of the trip, yay, that <laughs> part, boo, for sure. 
Dave, should I go to letters now? Sure, all sure. Right. Now, you've all patiently waited an extra week uh, because uh, we weren't able to uh, talk to you last week because we were in Belgium. I know it's confusing. Don't even don't 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 go with it. Uh, but we asked uh, we had a question from uh, Jonathan uh, who asked, "What's the uh, funny? Wait, is this correct? The funny? Wait, let's see if we're doing this correct." Da, 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 da. Oh, it should be five sixty eight. That's right, five sixty eight. Let me just tap over. Okay, let's go there. Uh, did we ask a question on five sixty eight, or did we? Make... Yeah, we had scary. We had scariest. Yeah, no, we did not. We we asked a question at, uh, on because I got nothing here. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, okay. So I guess I guess those are are the questions. We just didn't read that's them for right. the last one. I'm sorry. That's I right. apologize. That's okay. It's the, it's not the worst thing that's happened. <laughs> uh, so Jonathan asked, uh, "What's what's the funniest sequence or conversation you've ever arrived halfway into?" And uh, the, uh, the other question was, "What's the scariest scene you've seen in a movie?" No spoilers. So here we go. Right. Starting with Louise, our friend Louise. Hey, Louise. You're swell. We, we, we like you. Um, the first, in, and we're looking for uh, a bookmark for you. Uh, so difficult. They have none. They don't care. They don't like to read here, but we're trying our best. <laughs> yeah. uh, Louise writes, the first and best jump scene I ever saw in a movie theater was in Jaws when Hooper is doing the night dive at the fishing boat. You think the scary thing will be the shark, which had already uh, attacked someone swimming at night. So you're expecting something to come from behind or below. Uh, there's also a scene in The Others uh, from 2001 that made me jump when a creepy old lady suddenly appears. That's a pretty good haunted house movie. Despite the sixth sense uh, predating it, I didn't guess who the old lady was. I liked Nicole Kidman's performance in it. She's an actress who's good at playing troubled or morally ambiguous roles, like her ones in Malice, Birth, Rabbit Hole, Bombshell, and Big Little Lies. As for the funniest conversation, when I was a theater student at UBC, the cost... because her face doesn't move. Is that right? That could be the... Uh, yeah, yeah, you get to project uh, yeah. your own uh, things on... She's, she's sort of the Tintin of actresses. Yeah, or you can project onto her face like an actual <laughs> other movie. Uh, when I was a theater student at UBC, the costume shop shared a wall with a dressing room. But the wall didn't go all the way up uh, to the ceiling, so sound could travel between the two areas. One night as I walked by, I heard a guy in the dressing room tell another guy, you're not thinking about birth control when you're going at it. Uh, the discussion <laughs> got even more explicit after that. It was interesting to hear what guys said about sex when girls weren't present. Okay, that's the kind of thing that guys say about sex when girls aren't present. Boy, sure be nice to have some sex. <laughs> yeah, with a girl. Oh, yeah, could you imagine? That'd be great. Oh, boy. You going to use birth control? Well, you don't think about it when you're going at it. That's, that's <laughs> Yeah. Bon voyage, gentlemen. And Pia, let me know if waffles taste better in Belgium. No. No, they didn't. No, they no. were the same. Yeah, and uh, they had a made-your-own waffle bar at the uh, at the hotel we are at. And I was like, well, that's... Uh, that seemed irresponsible. That's irresponsible. Like, yeah. I'm... And... You protect your legacy. Right. And it was a, a Made in America waffle maker. Yeah. And it was like, well, what are we even doing here? Yeah. What are we even doing? I'm a Canadian making a waffle with an American waffle maker in Belgium? Yeah. Guys, a little bit of pride. And I th I don't know if we've mentioned this before, and we probably have, but uh, find a way to serve French fries that's better than you got in Belgium. <laughs> Saying that about Belgium, I just want to say one thing, which is that that was a really good con. Yes. The facts con. The facts con. Which stands for fantasy, anime, comics, technology, technology, and sci-fi. Sci-fi. I don't know something. 
I think T stands for something different. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Torval. Yeah, that was a very, uh, very nice uh, con. We, it was so, it was so, it was so well organized. So, so well done. They were really, they really were well organized. Like getting everyone there, and they're very accommodating, mm-hmm. and how they making changes for us, for instance. Yeah. Uh, and then, we both wanted to go by blimp. And they were okay with that. We just started two months early, but it's okay. And then, I loved, uh, I loved having like the lunch in the center area. That was a really good idea. I don't know if you've ever had, have you had that before? No. Nope. like yeah. No. Nope. It was a good it was idea. Basically, though. like so, we were doing signings, and then you could go just like back up slowly through a flap. <laughs> yeah. And there'd be like a really nice lunch that was yeah, in like there. a catered lunch. Like a catered lunch, yeah. Yeah, it was nice with dessert and like a three course meal in there. And, yeah. And well made and everything. And that was really very nice. very nice rice pudding at one point. Mm-hmm. I've never had rice pudding at a con. Mm. And then I like that they had like the fridge with uh, water and and pop in it. That yeah, was really good. Yeah. It's just the little Marvel. things that just make things. Huh. Yeah, there's lots of lots of guys here to help out and give you give you advice. Or give and you all help. the other um, uh, people signing were really swell, and we all had dinners in the evening. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think we actually made some new friends, which were, were great. And I went, uh, and we also sometimes got to look over at the very handsome Billy Boyd. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, I never saw him. So handsome, so Billy, so Boyd. But uh, I got called handsome. You did. That's a good thing. Yeah, you got called a good guy. Good guy, got a free meal out of it. Yeah, you got a yeah, because Dave was gonna have to pay for his meal, and then uh, I was paying for uh, you know Dave's meal. and Dave was gonna give half of that, and uh, organizer of the con went, no, he's a good guy, because <laughs> they had talked a lot of Tintin yeah. earlier, and yeah. it was like Dave Tintin his way into a free meal. Sure, yeah, sure. it was good stuff. Um, then Glenn, Glenn uh, Fabry, the uh... the cover artist yeah. of. Every issue of Preacher, many issues of Hellblazer, uh, also an artist in 2000 AD. We, we met a couple of artists from 2000 AD. Yes, we did. Uh, it was, yeah, delightful. Delightful it gent. It was. Yeah, and you, he liked you swell. And it was one nice thing where we were all um, uh, on the our final night there. You know, he said his goodbyes and he mm-hmm. was off. Yeah. And we were having a conversation, as as you do, about World War One. <laughs> well, we were, Canada's in, we were in Belgium. Position. Yeah, I went in Belgium. Uh, when near Flanders Field. Yeah, do your deep dive on, uh, on on World War One, and we're having a discussion. And I'm, <laughs> I'm contributing by going, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I heard they called it Valor Row. You just watched the Canadian Heritage Minute. You shut up. Okay. If we talk about where Superman came from, I can talk. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we're we're having a conversation with some uh, people, mm-hmm. otherwise, and then Glenn comes in and it's like, "Ah, oh, you guys, <laughs> you gotta go outside. It's lightning everywhere." Yeah, and uh, it's like, "Oh, okay. Well, you don't understand. <laughs> You've got to go outside. Yeah. This is a masterpiece Iron Storm. It looks like an Iron Maiden album." Yeah, it's like, well, you had us at Iron Maiden, <laughs> yes, right. so That's we all cool. got up immediately and ra- no, we but we did go outside, yeah. and it was an amazing lightning storm. There was no rain, yeah, but just like oh, just a, a, a mm-hmm. crazy lightning. I watched it for a bit, then I got bored, and I said, "Time for me to go and wait for a bus that's not going to come." That's right. I like to walk <laughs> in lightning. That's my style. <laughs> it was a long way away. You can't even hear the thunder. Gotta go walk in the lightning, you can't even hear and the I don't thunder. know which way I'm going. <laughs> Gotta look at my phone. Anyway, Louise continues. P.S. I recommend uh, visiting the Musée de Cluny in uh, Paris. I guess that's about George Clooney and mm. his early work. Yeah. Also known as the National Medieval Art Museum, the building dates from the 15th century and includes some ancient Roman baths, mm. um, which is nice because our bath here is too small. 
So we'll see what size bats they had back then. They're big. Yeah. It's full of wonderful art and artifacts from the Middle Ages, including the Lady and the Unicorn Tapestries, voted by me the best spot for pretending you're a time traveler. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, don't kill any of your relatives, because then you won't exist. Um, Peter Ayers writes, Bonjour, le mix. All right. Well, same to you, fella. Hope you're having a shoot-on time in Francophone territory. With totally Tintin in the bag, uh, your reputation for thoughtful bonhomie is bound to precede you. Can't wait to hear all about the trip and the people you meet. We just told you, Peter. <laughs> just now. I've been trying to think of the scariest scene. It's a good question. What do we find scary? As I think you discussed last time, in order to, be, to truly rattle us, scary stories uh, need to tap into deep feelings of unease and discomfort. If the chosen themes chime with our own insecurities and fears and insecurities, I have an insecurity about saying insecurities twice, <laughs> the emotional impact will be greater and will linger longer. I have an emotional problem with saying linger longer. <laughs> Jump scares are a fun effect, but they don't tend to scare what stay with us. Uh, gore scenes can be horrible, but are less scary than disgusting. It's hard to relate to someone being torn apart by sadistic demons. But when someone cuts their finger, we all wince in sympathy. Yeah. Uh, the most effective horror movies seed their scares slowly, making us squirm in anticipation before building to some ultimate payoff. Films like The Ring uh, have... have Heredity. Why is that so hard for me to see? Uh, REC. Hereditary. Yeah. hereditary uh, REC in uh, brackets. And Blair Witch work hard to build an atmosphere. Like recording is what it is. And Blair Witch okay. work, work hard to build an atmosphere of brooding dread before unleashing hell in the final reel. When it comes to the scariest scene, the scariest bits of all these classic horror films rely on context. Taking them out of context waters them down. This got me wondering what the scariest self-contained scene might be. Is there a scene you can take completely out of context, but which is still terrifying? Hmm. Two submissions. The Winky's Diner scene from Mulholland Drive. Yeah. It's a brilliant trick. The scene is set. The trap is laid. The anticipation builds. The protagonist becomes progressively more terrified. And even though you know what's coming, the payoff is unexpected and confusing. The supernatural has entered our world. Or has it? Yeah. Uh, we are shown the aftermath. Was it a mental break? We'll never know. And then they have some Winkies in Twin Peaks, The Return. Yeah. And you're just, <laughs> those guys. <laughs> well, what it, what it works so well for in that movie is that it poisons what you saw before it. Like, the movie starts, and it's all very happy with her arriving at the airport and meeting the old man and the old lady. And, you know, all that stuff is very sunny, and it's all very, you know, enjoyable and, and beautiful. And then that scene curdles everything you see after it yeah. so all that stuff that follows it it's the same but now it doesn't feel the same yeah there's something behind it yeah. all yeah what is that thing uh and number two the coin toss scene from no country for old men mm. a nice normal person slowly realizes they're dealing with the ultimate agent of chaos and destruction the threat is unspoken but all too real i think that this might be the one for me perhaps an odd choice since the film is more of a western but the idea of being uh, in a situation over which you have no control feels horribly possible. Brr. I wish I hadn't thought of those just before bedtime. Bon voyage, messieurs. Pierre. Uh, Edward uh, Dragansky agrees. Javier Bordem was unsettling and perfectly cast in No Country for Old Men. That film is a masterclass in suspenseful storytelling. Good mention. But did he kill the wife? Oh, 
We can discuss that another time. <laughs> because I'm on to more from Edward Dragatsky. Oh. Uh, as I'm thinking about what to write, I'm having more fun thinking about you guys preparing for your trip. Look forward to hearing all about it. We just told you. Do none of you listen? So exciting. I've never been anywhere that far out of the state, so I'll be living vicariously through your journey. I hope you enjoyed <laughs> the vicarious enjoyment of the wallet theft. I remember a Comic-Con in Dallas back in the late 80s. The old school kind, with all the rooms showing 35mm films, artist panels, and lines to get comics autographed. No highly collectible toys. No famous celebrities. Mm. We were going in at the very beginning of the weekend. A Friday, I think. And a guy walks up to my friend and I and asks us if we enjoy filk singing. We both drew a huge blank as he led us to a room. Boy, you guys were gutsy. Where <laughs> Trekkies were singing traditional folk songs with lyrics about Star Trek in place of the original lyrics. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, in this room was a crowd of Star Trek fans, some dressed in cosplay, singing What Do You Do With a Drunken Vulcan to the tune of the Irish folk song What Do You Do With a Drunken Sailor. That was enough for me as we politely passed on the whole thing. <laughs> Star Trek has its idiosyncrasies, but this was an entirely new level. I think I've told this story before, but I had a friend uh, when I was single, and uh, he, <laughs> he took me to a party, and uh, there was these uh, women there. And uh, they were all friendly, but very kind of aggressive. Yeah. And uh, let's just say strong. They could do a lot of heavy lifting. Okay. And uh, and then, you know, he told me, oh, something I should tell you. Yeah. These are all uh, Klingon women. <laughs> they all cosplay as Klingons. Okay. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? Like, you know, cause, you know, it's uh, cons and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's how you know them all? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I had no idea where to put that in my head. <laughs> you took me to a Klingon women get-together. Yeah. Okay, and didn't tell me. Mm. Okay. Oh, you thought, you thought you wouldn't want to go. I don't know if I would have gone. It's a tough, exactly. it's a tough call. Exactly. What do you say? Yeah. Just going to go. Can we go to a Bajoran party? <laughs> All right. Who's a Bajoran? They're another Star Trek race. Okay. Uh, I've never been a horror film. Can we go to a Borg? Oh. A Borgy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. Well, resistance is We're futile. All one. Resistance is futile. We're all one. We're just all going to plug in and see how this. <laughs> hum... <laughs> God, I'm so disturbed by all this imagery. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Edward, to to be doing this to you. I've never been a horror movie. I'm back to Edward's talking. I've never been a horror movie enthusiast, and unless a movie really gets a lot of buzz or highly is highly recommended. Uh, leading uh, me to it out of curiosity. I know they're movies, and I know they're uh, fabricated to frighten me, which has the opposite effect on me, as uh, so they don't scare me at all. Not even those horrific Rob Zombie films, which I view as more of an art form than a horror film. Uh, the supernatural films uh, make me think more than scare me, especially the ones based in religion. They fascinate me more than scare me. Nope, the scariest scene I've ever seen in a movie was in Ben Affleck's Argo. When the American diplomats are attempting to escape Tehran through the airport, every second of that scene still makes me cringe with terror, not to mention uh, what would happen if they didn't make it. No spoilers. Watch it for yourself uh, to see what I mean. The entire movie is uh, on the total brink uh, with every scene, uh, one hair-raising scene from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, I'd also, I, it was hard for me to watch Argo without 
thinking of a Martin Short uh, thing from SCTV, okay. where he plays one of the guys from there who yeah. like got everyone out, yeah. and uh, he's doing like an ad for like I think it's American Express or something. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, I'm the guy who did that. Anyway, kind of smug. Yeah, yeah, very smug. It's great. <laughs> Two things about Star Trek uh, from the last episode. You were wondering about religion. I was in the future, and whether it was represented in any way. In the film Star Trek Generations, both Kirk and Picard are faithfully swept into the Nexus energy wave, which fulfills a person's ideal life and desires. Kirk is living in a cabin in the woods, chopping wood, and living a life of leisure with a woman he left to join Starfleet. Uh, Picard's ideal life is somewhat similar, uh, where he's a huge family of his own in a beautiful home during Christmas time. He's surrounded by children and a beautiful wife in what looks like a Dickens-era holiday setting, but none of it is real. That's the first time, only time I can remember Christmas being referenced in Star Trek. I'm sure there's more, but Generations came to mind immediately. Uh, I know they were doing some stuff in Picard where uh, he was having brain problems. I'm like, boy, you know, if you have like any kind of Alzheimer's yeah. and you have lived fake lives as well, and he has, he's lived entire fake lives. Oh, that must confuse. That's right. It happened in the show as well. Yeah, yeah. That would confuse. Oh, boy. It's hard. <laughs> hard to just get your memories together. Poor guy. But that's interesting about the Christmas thing. The robotic voice or evolution of its use in Star Trek is natural. It starts out very uh, monophonic, like Nomad did in the original series or the Enterprise's computer. I can remember Spock asking the computer to analyze something with its response being a bunch of data chatter and a canny robot voice uh, that replicated with working. <laughs> uh, by the time we get to Star Trek The Motion Picture, the voice from Voyager, Voyager, thanks for that spoiler, uh, is a binary sound. Uh, wave until it's translated by Lieutenant uh, Ilya. Uh, the bald Delton uh, played by Persis uh, Kambata. Why are you making me say all these names? I'm very tired. <laughs> anyway, even then, it's that it was still that cold robotic voice only, with a female voice mixed in, so a little less harsh. A little, uh, a little less harsh. By the time we get to the next generation, the computer's voice are completely human, uh, human synthesized. Commander Data speaks clearly and concise, as does the Enterprise computer with the voice of uh, Majel Barrett, wife of Gene Roddenberry himself. Did they ever have a scene in Next Generation mm. where, because she played Donna, uh, Donna Troy? Yeah, she played Troy's mother. Troy's mom. Ever talk to the computer and go, you got a lovely voice. You've got a lovely voice. <laughs> Listen to who's talking. I don't you. Yeah. Uh, as far back as I can remember... I've always wanted to be a gangster. No, that's not right. As far as back as I can remember, the esteemed English theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking has his ha, had his voice synthesized into what sounded like a 1970s speak and spell toy. That never changed until he died. Then when Roger Ebert lost his voice to cancer and relied on a voice synthesizer. Oh boy. <laughs> I am so jet-lagged. Synthesizer. He was able to get it modified to sound like Sir Lawrence Olivier, who no, knew that option was even existed until Ebert used it. Huh. Uh, don't you think that Hawking deserved the same since he was British and the world's greatest theoretical uh, physicist uh, instead of that canny speak and spell voice? <laughs> Seemed like that would have been a little more classy for one of our greatest minds. I know, but that was the voice we knew him Yeah, from. I think he liked it. Yeah, it's like that was... I think it was his thing. Yeah. You know what would have been interesting? Because he, he did sound like the ladies. It was like, you know, talking like with the... I'm not going to do the the voice. 
But then, you know, when he wants to, switch it over to like, well, hello. <laughs> I've gone on too long. I'll stop now so you don't miss your flight. Uh, it's true. It's, it's about two days away. We're okay. Uh, enjoy the sights. Take photos. Okay. Spend lots and lots of money. Oh, Edward. <laughs> Didn't you hear what happened today? That really is. That's cold. Bon voyage, sneakers. Bye. The third dragon, also known as Nina Matsumoto. Mm. You know what? Yeah. We should have her back on the show. Okay. Because uh, her birthday's coming up. Oh. And uh, I know she doesn't like to be on the show. Yeah. But uh, we drag her on the show yes, every, we every birthday. It's, a, it's like, a yearly p- annual punishment. Yeah, we go, no cake. Yeah. Unless you come on the show. <laughs> and I don't even know if she likes cake. Um, so she writes us. and oh, By the way, people like Sparks. We sold a lot of uh, sparks. We did sell a lot of and sparks. And people liked it and people yeah. came back and went, this is really good. And we told them, there's more books. Yeah. So, uh, we said, yeah. we know you'll love it. Just so you know, there's more books. And it's all ages action. Adventure. Adventure. All ages adventure. All ages adventure. Yeah. Action. <laughs> no, no action. No, there's no action in it? There is action, but I think you should it's an all-age highlight adventure. the adventure part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that description. Very good. Third Dragon writes... I didn't have an answer for scariest scene in a movie until tonight. <laughs> I don't scare easily, but I just watched the Korean horror film Gonjam Haunted Asylum. Oh. It's an iffy one to recommend because the first hour is honestly kind of boring. But once the actual horror begins, it's a real good 30 minutes. Oh, wow. There's one scene in particular that features the most disturbing sound I've ever heard. Oh, that sounds, this sounds really good. Paired with a very unsettling visual. Huh. Most of the reviews about this film mention this scene and how nightmarish it is. The sound is difficult to describe, and it was so bone-chilling, I never want to hear it again. <laughs> it's like reverse ASMR. Hmm. Yeah. Ian, never ever watch Gone Jam Haunted Asylum. <laughs> okay, I won't. Though, Seems like good advice. Though I may read the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm going to continue with her letter, but I do remember. Yeah, she was uh, making a tweet and saying like, "How would how would you like write out the sound effect for that? You know the scene I mean." And I was like, "Oh, that's a disturbing scene, probably." Everyone else, uh, if you haven't watched it yet, watch it on Shutter. If you're okay with sitting through a very slow burn, and please tell me how you would write that sound out phonetically. There we go. Exactly. <laughs> I should have just kept reading. Uh, disclaimer. I've seen a few rare people say the sound is very silly and not scary at all. But isn't that uh, that usually how it goes with horror? Yeah. It it's is. Like Some things like really joke. affect you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the joke, you do not find a joke funny. It's stupid. Yeah. And if something is not uh, scary to you, yeah. then it is silly. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm sure people, some people who have seen like a movie that I think is very scary, which, which I've talked about a couple times in the show, which is uh, the first story in... Uh, Black Sabbath, the Mario Bava horror anthology is A Single Drop of Water, mm-hmm. I think it's called. Uh, I think some people could watch it and just walk away like, no, not scary at all. I don't see why you would find that scary. Whereas to me, the whole, you know, the use of the, the to me, terrifying old lady mask. Because there's things in it that I find <laughs> I find naturally unsettling. You've, which got, is, you've got a hag. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't like hags, so that's scary. And then also dolls uh, I find unsettling in a... In a, in a kind of situation like so that so don't get dave a hag doll <laughs> no hag dolls for me please uh yeah i don't even, I don't, don't even eat the hagfish. avoid it yeah if, if dave if dave woke up and there was a hag on the on his bed 
as he doesn't want to happen. I, I, I would like to see her say, though, like, oh, so you don't like hags, huh? What's your problem with hags? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no hags. So, um, here's, here's... I have one, uh, one email to read. I, I don't care. <laughs> okay, I right. do. Dave I... did not get his phone stolen. I did not get my phone stolen. Uh, this is from Laurel Robertson. Oh, lovely. Laurel writes, Hello, dear David and dear Ian. I join with Edward and all of the sneakers in hoping for you a wonderful trip to Belgium. Yay. And Paris, etc. That you just have a grand time. Can't wait to hear of it all. We just told you. <laughs> None of you listened. I hope you enjoyed it. Okay. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. We did laugh. Oh, we, we laughed. laughed. We laughed later. We laughed later. <laughs> Two days later. The first scary jump scene that comes to my mind, John Hurt's character in Alien getting sick while the crew is eating, oh, flopping out onto the table, and, well, you know. You said no spoilers, so I won't go on, although I can't imagine everyone not knowing what happens next. That one was a true leap from the seat moment in the theater. As I recall, everyone jumped and shrieked in unison. I loved it so much. Two nights later, I took another friend to see it just to do it again. <laughs> That's great. You, you wonder, like, if John Hurt, because he must have, like, coughed during dinner at other parts in his life for real. The people were just immediately, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a smoker, so yes. Yeah. Did hack. Um, that kind of reminds me of, like, when you watch, um, if you watch, like, a documentary about The Exorcist. And you hear about people like literally vomiting sure. and fainting during the movie, yeah. which I'm, I'm assuming most of us have seen. And it's a good movie. Like, it is a scary movie. But is it that scary? It's just interesting, like, how, you know, our, our, you know, our sensitivity has, has uh, decreased over time. Like, we've become more kind of callous to these I want, effects. Here's what I think about uh, that. Well, first of all, if you've got religious issues, mm. you know, or not issues, but if you've got like connections to religion, yeah, and you have uh, a belief in certain things, then it could hit you deeper than you know someone yeah, who would just true. go, "Ah, oh, it's a silly demon, funny boys." Um, but I don't think there was ever any movie before then which had a character vomiting, you know. So like you know, watching someone vomit makes you vomit, yeah, yeah, right. And you weren't expecting a little girl to vomit. And now they vomited, yeah. and now you're going to throw up, because you just watched someone throw up. We're now used to it, because there's been so many parodies of it, and you knew it was coming, and I don't know how much you knew about The Exorcist when you saw The Exorcist, yeah. but you knew, I knew there was like a, a vomit scene, but like seeing it, and also like a, a little girl's head turn all the way around, Yeah, yeah. you're not used to that, you're not prepared for that, you don't know that's coming. What's, what, what movie have you seen that like uh, set you up for that? You, none. What's good about that movie is... Is the slow burn and even unsettling weird things like that she's talking to someone named Captain Howdy. Mm-hmm. Now that's just weird. Yeah. You know, it's like a weird name. It's a cool name, but it's weird, right? Like it just starts to unsettle you more and more that film. And uh, don't see the uh, recut version where it includes the spider spider walk. Blah. It's stupid. It's too early for that in the movie. And then it's also kind of weird or silly looking. Does it take it out of the room and everything else is in the room? What's that? Uh, the spider walk. She comes down the stairs walking. Yeah, what I mean though, is there any other scenes in the movie where she's out of the room? Yeah, no, no. That's... It's, this is very early on in the, in, yeah, in the, that's, in the, that's in the thing. So it, it kind of, it's kind of too much too soon in yeah. the story, right? Like when you get the pea soup scene and when you get the head turning scene. Yeah. Those are 
you know, you're already into the story, so you're not like, oh, they have a hose behind you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like the things they used to scare you. I can't think of other movies that used those things beforehand. So yeah. It's all fresh and new. Yeah. And then, of course, everything you've seen since has been like a riff on this, so you're now uh, used to it. You see a, set, a sticker on the walls or something saying something? Yeah, it's a flash. It's a QR code for the menu. But just so clumsily put there, it was looked like it was stuck there. Oh, we don't have one of those. Huh? Yeah. Well, I guess you're lucky. lucky. This, is, this is an executive's room. Oh, well. So, you know. Okay. Now, why it is it an executive room? I don't know. All right. Maybe the view? <laughs> it's a good view. <laughs> it's a good view. Um, oh, by the way. I just want to say this before we uh, go on with Laura's letter. Uh, congratulations to to, to uh, Third Dragon Nina Matsumoto for for uh, beating me in our Fitbit Walkathon. Uh, I know she doesn't she doesn't keep track of this, but I get that email every week, right? Updating my Fitbit, and since we're friends, we we it compares our our steps, and uh, she doesn't do it very often. But she was in Portland. She must have done a lot of walking in Portland. Oh, okay, well, let's was, see how she does with. Uh, she's much okay. ahead of me. All right. All right. Laurel goes on to say, Very good. I enjoy a good weird conversation, and I feel like often I am the one starting the weirdness. Hmm. Can't, think of, can't think of one right now, but we'll be poking around in my mind for a good one, and maybe come up with something later. I thought this was, I thought this was funny, though. The other day when I got to work, I asked a young man who is a massage therapist with me at the spa, How are you doing today? He answered, I need a new mattress. That was pretty much... The end of the conversation. <laughs> I managed not to laugh out loud, but inside it has cracked me up ever since. He had no real explanation, just walked away mournful to get his next client. A few days later, I had a massage from him and tipped generously, telling him it was to help him towards that goal. One more thing I've been meaning to mention. David, a few episodes ago, you talked about your Spike Jones record. When you described the cover art, I knew it was the same as the one I bought for myself in high school. Those recordings are completely delightful. I like playing them for the grandchildren. Oops, sorry. I like playing them for the grandkiddos. Oh, nice. Okay, safe travel, gentlemen. Joy and love to all. Laurel. Aww. I don't know if you heard Laurel, but the safe travels. Pretty close. Pretty close, but not quite there. I mean, I'm still we're alive. We're safe. Yeah, we're safe. Listen, yeah. we're safe. It's My just wallet annoying. safe, but yeah. It was all annoying. And, uh, it was all and annoying. Ho- and hopefully... And you know, it's fun. like when I was in Ghent... I was taking the bus the first day. I got off the got off the train. I was carrying, lugging around my stupid suitcase, which I lugged around the whole day that day. Mm-hmm. And there was a there was a lady from Mexico trying to buy tickets for the bus. And for whatever reason, her cards wouldn't work. She had two different credit cards. She tried them both, and neither of them worked to buy bus tickets. Right. So I was like, "Well, never mind. I'll just pay for you." So I just bought her. They're just like five euros. So I just bought her two the two bus tickets. And she was so grateful. She like gave me all this change she had in her pocket, which wasn't didn't amount to <laughs> didn't amount to what I paid, but it was fine. I didn't just say no, 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 no. She was, no, no, no. Take it, take it. No, I was like no, that's fine, that's fine. No, here, take it, take it. So I took it, and it was weird because she gave me uh, two twenty cent euros, a two pound coin, like a British two pound coin, yeah. and an American or sorry, a Canadian penny. Hmm. So strange. Yeah, we don't use the penny anymore. We don't use pennies we just anymore. threw it back at her. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we can't accept this. But anyway, there you go. And it was it was your second time almost losing your stuff, too. That's right. That happened that day, too, because I had so much stuff I was carrying around. I forgot my uh, I forgot my 
sat my bag with my wallet in it and my passport in it at the at the hotel. Thank God for honest people. Someone turned it into less and found. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, you think, oh, I'm not that tired. And then you do things like this and you go, I guess I am tired. Yeah. I guess I am tired. Make sure you get some rest. Uh, here's here's my question then as uh, for this week. And maybe you've got one as well. Is like, have you been scammed before? <laughs> have you been scammed? Has someone yeah. tried to scam you and maybe it worked? Mm. Maybe it didn't work. Yeah. But like uh, you know, again, Dave, Dave was uh, you know had his uh, pickpocket, but it was part of a scam. Yeah, it wasn't just an elaborate tool. You know? <laughs> it wasn't just like one you know gentleman pickpocket. Yeah, yeah. It was like oof, and the skill and yeah, yeah. It was like da, 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 da. It, was a, it was a bunch of crap. Yeah, yeah. So have you been scammed before? And right. this could be any kind. It could be an online scam. Could be anything. So just let us know about that. All right. And on that, on that note, let's hear a bad travel story. Okay. Let's hear one of your... Let's hear it. Do you have a bad travel story? Let's hear it. Yeah. Let it out. Let Maybe we'll let those a, feelings come out. Yeah, let's do that. But um, we're going to say, like, bottom line, uh, and again, once Dave gets across the border safely, <laughs> then this is going to be a lot lighter, you know, will be... Uh, it'll be, it, you know... But, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of worry at this point, but mm. I'm sure it's going to work out. Uh, it's annoying, this part, but the rest of it, you know, we met new friends... We had, yeah, made nice friends. We had a beautiful time here. I found some books that I've always wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, not always, but for a long time I've wanted. And uh, we met Regis. Yep. So it's all been great. And we got uh, we got like another uh, day here still. We're probably going to go to a museum. We're going to meet... Uh, I'm going to introduce David to an old friend of ours. Have I you, met her have you met her before? I met her before, yeah. Okay. Do, do, do you think she's nice or you got issues? She's very nice, but I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about women in comics. Oh, okay. Good. I once saw her destroy a man. Oh my god, remember that? That was great. Oh legendary. <laughs> legendary. 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 I had to I had to move he had change some opinion, chairs. He had some opinions. Yeah, yeah. that's right, because I was getting all the blood on me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Good on her. Yeah. She she does not suffer fools gladly. We'll be, uh, looking forward to spending some time with her. Very nice. And uh, again, preview, uh Nina will be joining us shortly on the show as well, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh also, hey, uh, no, this has gone past now, but uh, uh, Nina and I uh, won an Eisner Award uh, many years ago, uh, which is kind of like how we met uh, for a parody of Death Note uh, that we did uh, for the Simpsons comics. And there's going to be an actual Death Note uh, parody on uh, Treehouse Horror. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I would say check that out and then check our thing out. And, uh, but, you know, it, it's already gone past. So you've probably seen it. Maybe you haven't. Anyway, you can still read our thing. Anyway, there you go. It was also weird for me last uh, last week, my time, because they did a parody of It. And uh, we did a parody of It. Me and some other people as well in The Simpsons. So there you go. Everything is uh, coming around. What yeah. does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> yes. All right. Everything's coming up dusty. All right. Let's... As the record album said. Exactly. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Uh, maybe you heard some of us in a car. Maybe you heard some of us in the laundry. Uh, if you want to answer... Oh, wait, who's doing this one? Is this my episode? This is my episode. Oh, wrap it up, Jack. Yep. So Do if you want to, uh, want to get in touch with us, go to the website at seekadragon.com. We have a, a comment support there. You're welcome to leave messages to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our web... Oh, sorry. Our mail email address is sneakydeatsneakydragon.com. And we have a, a Twitter presence. It's sneaky underscore dragon. We're on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. 
I've been David. I've been Ian. And we'll be back soon. Au revoir. Ciao, Belle. Ooh la la. Hey, it's me. I'm back. Here's the surprise. And it's not much of a surprise. It's actually just the top five. I'm doing it without Ian today because I'm doing it on my own and Ian isn't here. So I'm just, just going to throw this at you. I hate to miss a top five opportunity when it's when it's its turn. So let's let's do top five. So, uh, hey, guess what? We've got a fun, uh, we've got a fun topic because it kind of relates to this episode. And that is top five airplane songs yeah so let's uh let's do it let's do it quickly because it's it's late and i want to get this done i want to get the show posted so so here we go so we're going to start off with a kind of an obscure group this is uh peter's pipers peter's pipers do you get it peter piper peter's pipers uh they're a pittsburgh based group and this is a song from 1968 came out on phillips records this was the the a side of the record and uh it's called airplane so let's give it a listen, everybody. Here we go.
right, and we're back. And I don't know what you thought about that. I thought it was pretty interesting. I like, here's what I like about it. I, well, first I like that it's tuneful and rockin'. That's good. That's cool. But I also like the crazy arrangement. I love that it has like a harp in it, which seems so weird, but, you know, it kind of works in a, in a fun way, in a kind of fun 60s throwing the kitchen sink into the song kind of a way. Uh, I really appreciate that. You know, probably not a hit, prob- not even a, they're like a no hit wonder, but that's okay. They got a record made. They made a couple of records, I think, actually, before they folded their tent. And uh, pretty good. Pretty good. So let us move on then. Let us say goodbye to Peter's Piper. And let's move on to, let's get a little more modern. In my sense of modern, which is 2004. That's my idea of modern. This is the a bit of CanCon as well. This is Destroyer, a local Vancouver band that I, I have a lot of love for, as listeners to the listening party would know. And uh, this is from a kind of one of the sort of albums that Dan Behar, the the who is Destroyer, let's face it. It's, it's a one guy band and he just brings in musicians that he, as he needs them. In this album, he decided that he didn't need them. And so what because what he decided to do was kind of move away from what had become uh, pretty, uh, pretty, I don't know, say common because, you know, he had a ton of albums by this point. But, you know, he was kind of working in a band format from Thief and uh, Street Hawk and then This Night. And so I think he decided to kind of step back from that. And he did an album that was just him and his two producers, uh, John Carswell and I want to say Dan Collins, but I'm not sure if that's right. I could be completely wrong. And, uh, you know, let me just check it out here. Ah, sorry, John Collins and David Carswell. And so, uh, and basically it's, you know, acoustic guitar, which is played by Behar. And then he and the two producers, uh, it's a bunch of MIDI instruments, like a Roland synthesizer and a Kurzweil synthesizer for all the songs on the album. And it's, you know, obviously kind of shocking to people at the time. I remember when it came out and picking it up and, you know, you ha- your thought was, what the hell's going on here? Because <laughs> the last couple of albums were just like a, you know, band, drums, gu- piano, guitar. And then this is what we're listening to. But it's a great album. It's a great, great album. And, and what really makes it great is the crazy purple prose lyrics to some of the songs on the album. And if you know, we talked about it on Listening Party, if you know the Destroyer game, it's a super fun album to play that game with. And if I was a drinker, I'd prob- probably be dead if I did that whole album as one drinking game. But let's listen to this song, which is uh, It's Gonna Take an Airplane. Uh, this comes from, like I said, from Your Blues, the Beatles reference, by the way, Your Blues, uh, from 2004. So let's give it a listen, everybody. Star in the night sky 
You know, obviously, you're, you're not, you're not, as I was, you know, kind of deeply embedded in in the previous sound of Destroyer, and then you're going like, well, what happened? You're just like, oh, that's interesting. That's a good song, very tuneful. I like the the fake flute. That was nice. And uh, you know, he was he was always kind of mining uh, an '80s sound, but I really liked his '80s guitar pop sound, and he has really moved really far into this synth sound on his new albums, which I find a little short on melody and long on synthesizer sounds. So it's not really my bag anymore, but that's okay. You know, I don't have to like every song by, by a artist. I have lots of song, lots of albums and lots of songs that he did in a time that I'm interested in. So I'm still digging that, but uh, he has moved on. And so have I, it was a, it was a short relationship. Okay. Numero three. This is our third song. This is, um, this is interesting because it's... Hey, what's this What's this doing on my list? Let me just erase this. It's bugging me. Okay, so this is uh, Pete Brown and his band Peblocto. And it's from their 1970 album, Thousands on a Raft. 
and the song is Airplane Headed Woman. So let's give it a listen. This is some rockin' stuff going on here. Hope you enjoy it. This is from 1970, so the year of hard rockin'. Here we go.
starts with hope in her heart She listens for spitfires and gins to start She hopes that he's near though it's been 30 years And even though I said it was hard rock and what I like is that, you know, it's got like the hard rock and sound and then it, it kind of, uh, I guess in the chorus or the bridge, I never know where these things are in a song. Uh, I just like how it kind of, it kind of, uh, goes into its own place and gets a little softer and, um, yeah, Pete Brown, interesting guy, not, I'll admit not the world's greatest singer, you know, but, uh, came to fame as the lyricist in with cream. Uh, he did, wrote a lot of songs with, the bass player in Cream, um, whose na- name is now jumped out of my head. That's embarrassing. Ginger Baker, Eric Clapton, and how come I can't remember now? That's really silly, isn't it? Went on to do Song for a Baker, right? A solo album. His name is... His name is... <laughs> oh, I can't remember. I am I'm embarrassed, everyone. I'm going to go and... I don't want to do. Go hide my head in shame, I guess. Um, oh, Jack Bruce. Jack, I looked it up. I didn't remember it. I looked it up. Jack Bruce. So, uh, so yeah, they, they did a, long, a lot of songs together uh, in Cream and kind of to the jealousy of Ginger Baker and Eric Clapton, who weren't as, who were, uh, were neither as prolific as Bruce and Brown, nor as successful in the songwriting department. Like they wrote like White Room and Sunshine of Your Love and uh, other songs like that. I, I can't name them all. But I'll say this. They didn't write the greatest song that Cream did, which is, of course, Badge, written by Eric Clapton and George Harrison, which is, yes, we all can agree, the the greatest Cream song. But anyway, they wrote some pretty good songs and obviously had some hits, which 
uh, evoked the ire of of Ginger Baker and uh, Eric Clapton, who kind of kept their songs off the album, which is weirdly self-destructive, but that's a band. That's a band for you. So anyway, uh, interesting thing with with Piblocto, which, by the way, is a... Inuit word for Arctic hysteria, so like, like snow madness or snow blindness, when people are like become so panicked or uh, uh, you know afraid of the snow that they start to like panic and and scream or go into like hysterics. Anyway, so Pete Brown before this had a band called Pete Brown and His Battered Ornaments, and they did two albums together, and then they're gonna they're gonna do like a big concert uh, opening for the Rolling Stones at Hyde Park, that big free concert they did, uh, where they like. Uh, released the, I think, Butterflies into the, because they were like, because uh, um, their previous guitar player, who had already been fired from the group, but let's not, let's ignore that, they said. Um, they, uh, for Brian, uh, Brian Jones, they released these Butterflies in the air because he had passed away, and then they read a bit of uh, Shelley, and then they played a, played their concert. But uh, before this concert, before the band played the concert, Pete Brown was thrown out of his own band. And uh, his and his lyrics were were or not his lyrics. His vocals were were erased from their second album and replaced by the guitar player Chris Svenning, uh, and uh, which is kind of humiliating. But so he left. You know, obviously he was out of that band. I was going to say he left that band. No, no, he didn't leave it. He was kicked out. And then he formed Piblocto with some different people. And uh, yeah, kind of an interesting situation. Anyway, um, and but you know. His, his voice isn't the best. I could see why maybe his band thought they could do better without him, but he was the main songwriter, so I don't know. I, I don't know. Bands. What can you do with them? Okay, um, let's move on. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on to the blues. Because one of the nice things about doing the top five, unlike, say, when I was doing mixes for people where I felt kind of responsible for like the overall sound of the mix, it, to me it doesn't matter if I'm, I throw in like a song like this, a 1959 blues song by, my, in my opinion, the greatest blues artist of all time, which is Howlin' Wolf. Well, Mississippi John Hurt. Boy, now that I thought of that, I got to kind of pull back a little bit on that <laughs> greatest. But anyway, a really good one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, Moaning at Midnight. Like, when you hear that song, you know why, like, British kids flip their wig for blues musicians. Like, when that song is like... Uh, it's like a message from aliens, you know. It's just like it de- it's 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 timeless and has no time, you know. It's like it didn't it didn't it was like a message from another place. It's so crazy that song, you know. And um, this song is a little more re- um, normal, I guess I could say, and it, especially in the fact that it kind of sounds a little bit like Smokestack Lightning and another song by him, which is great. But it's still great. So let's give a listen to Mr. Airplane Man. This uh, was a single that came out on Chess Records in 1959. So let's give a listen. This is Howlin' Wolf. Here we go. Mr. Airplane Man Will you fly down in Jackson for me? Mr. Airplane Man Will you fly to Jackson for me? I want you to find my baby And give a dish your message for me Wait. Wait. 
any worry about knocking on the door. My baby not at home. You need to worry about knocking on the door. Herbert Sumlin on guitar, fantastic. His first records, you know, were produced by, were produced by Sam Phillips, uh, and before Sun Records existed, so he had nowhere like to release them. So they were licensed. Like Moaning at Midnight was uh, licensed to Chess Records, and then a couple songs that he did after that were released to Modern Records, the LA label. But it was Chess who who uh, purchased his contract and got, and convinced. Wolf to Howlin' Wolf to move up to to uh, Chicago, and and continue his career there. And what a career! So great that guy. So great, and kind of one of the all-time great band leaders as well, because he was, unlike a lot of musicians, he was like super smart and really careful with his money, and he was so successful as a band leader, like so financially successful that he could offer like a healthcare package for his musicians which meant he had like the pick of the best musicians which is pretty amazing like to have a pension plan and a healthcare plan for your for your band that's that's an achievement that's uh, probably never been repeated i don't think but uh it is an amazing guy uh so uh yeah that was helen wolf uh a great man and a great musician and a great songwriter too and let's uh, i guess we're going to finish up is this the last song? I guess this is the last song. Well, you know what? I always love the Dedrick family. They have a name that's very beloved to me. And so this is the free design from their very final album, which was actually record, released and recorded in 2001. So this came a long time after their, their, their I guess their final album together was in 72, uh, um, which was, uh, oh, it's... One, one by one. That's the song. It took me a minute to remember. I was I had to think of the lyrics for the song. One by one, which their their final album, uh, without Bruce Dedrick, he had left by that point. It was just Chris Dedrick and his sisters Sandy and Ellen. And this album, Bruce returns. Sandy is back. Chris is there, of course, who because he's the main songwriter. And and then uh, Ellen wasn't there though. And so Ellen's place in the in the vocal 
in the vocal realm was uh, filled in by a singer named uh, Rebecca Pellet. So she came in to, to kind of augment the, the sound. And it's really great. And the album's really great. And this is uh, the song is McCarran Airport. And I was kind of curious where that was because at this point in his career, uh, Chris Dedrick was living and recording in uh, Canada. He was uh, writing uh, songs for music. Uh, sorry, song, songs for music? Does that make sense? Songs are music. I maybe should have thought of that before I completed that sentence. What I meant to say, he was writing songs for movies and television here in Canada. And uh, he was working with um, uh, Guy Madden, the great great director from Winnipeg. Uh, not Winnipeg, sorry, from Manitoba. I think from Gimli, Manitoba. And also Don McKellar, another uh, great actor-director here in Canada. And uh, I think... I think that um, Chris Dedrick won an award for his music for the saddest music in the world, the Guy Madden. But anyway, let's listen to McCarran Airport. Uh, this is the free design. Here we go. Fly away to Nevada City. You can't go in on the Atlantic. Let's shine it for love or money If I lose it won't be fun for me You can meet me at the airplane Lay it on the line The Karen Airport Why do you let me
And you got to admit, that was that was pretty magical. Those voices were just something else. And you know what? I couldn't resist it. I had to throw in one more bonus song because I'm a nut. And uh, so let's do it. This is this is uh, the, this is the three o'clock from their 1983 album, 16 Tambourines, an album that I paid $16 for in 1983 because uh, I could only get it an import. It was on a French label. Was that New Rose? Does anyone remember that label, New Rose Records? Anyway, uh, this is uh, Jet Fighter from that album. Here we go.
we're back. We're back. That is a great album. Uh, although it, uh, Robert Crisco at the time said it made him want to puke. And a later review called this album Too Twee and their voice is weedy. But um, I really like that kind of uh, high voice. It kind of reminds me of Sunshine Pop from the 60s. So I kind of I kind of enjoy that uh, element of that. Uh, they were part of the Paisley Underground in L.A. in the early 80s, the kind of uh, 60s revival movement that, uh, you know, someone like Chris Gow, who's very forward looking, probably resented people uh, calling back to that time period. So anyway, there we go. That's that's all the airplane songs for this episode's top five songs. Hope you enjoyed it. Hey, guess what? We'll see you next week or maybe this week because I'm really late with this show. <laughs> okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.